Elon is vocal. Elon can stand up. Elon's not the guy that can be bullied. But some of these other guys that don't have 150 million followers and they don't own a company called Twitter, they may be billionaires. They may be $50 million guys, CEOs. But they got to sit there and say, babe, if you say something, you're going to lose your $26 million of your salary. Just do what Larry tells you to do. Imagine if you had control of 88% of CEOs of S&P 500 companies. What kind of influence do you have? So, so to me, as a person, when I asked you earlier, what are your top five things you would want somebody to run on? I think somebody's got to figure out a way to break those companies apart. Do you think that's possible? Do you think they would ever allow that to happen? I, I do think it's possible. But I also think it's possible that that person who does it is risking a lot of things. Now, TNT Radio News. Recapping some of the news that shaped the past week, I'm Matt Boylond. The United Nations Secretary-General hit back at Israel after its ambassador to the UN demanded the chief step down over remarks he made about the war in Gaza. Speaking to the UN Security Council earlier this week, Antonio Guterres condemned Hamas's initial terror attack on Israel while appearing to justify the atrocities in his next breath. Take a listen. It is important to also recognise the attacks by Hamas did not happen in a vacuum. The Palestinian people have been subjected to 56 years of suffocating occupation. They have seen their land steadily devoured by settlements and plagued by violence, their economy stifled, their people displaced and their homes demolished. Their hopes for a political solution to their plight have been vanishing. The UN chief's comments ignited anger in Israel with the country's ambassador to the UN accusing him of justifying terrorism. The secretary general must resign because from now on, every day that he is here in this building, unless he apologizes immediately, today we called him to apologize. There is no justification to the existence of this building. This building was established to prevent atrocities. How can the Secretary General, in the, with his words, justify in any way the terrible atrocities that happened to our civilians, innocent civilians? But instead of apologizing, the UN Secretary General fronted the cameras on Wednesday, saying his words had been misinterpreted. I am shocked by the misrepresentations by some of my statement yesterday in the Security Council as if I was justifying acts of terror by Hamas. This is false. It was the opposite. Indeed, I spoke of the grievances of the Palestinian people. And in doing so, I also clearly stated, and I quote, but the grievances of the Palestinian people cannot justify the appalling attacks by Hamas. End quote. And then I went on with my intervention referring all my positions on all aspects of the Middle East crisis. I believe it was necessary to set the record straight. Also making news this week, Russia conducted a major military exercise testing the readiness and capabilities of its strategic nuclear forces. The drills involved intercontinental ballistic missiles, nuclear-armed submarines and strategic bombers and simulated the delivery of a massive retaliatory nuclear strike on an enemy. And US Colonel Douglas McGregor warned this week that Israel is a nuclear wild card that's leading the world on a dangerous road to Armageddon. Here with more is TNT's Patrick Patrick Henningsen. 
Now, a number of top independent U.S. policy analysts and military experts have come out opposing the Biden administration's unquestioning backing of Israel in this conflict. And they're pointing out the obvious dangers here. With multiple countries now orbiting this crisis zone, anything that could set off the tinderbox that is the Middle East could lead to a multinational conflagration. In other words, nuclear powers could be drawn in, but the real elephant in the room is the one nuclear power that hasn't declared its nuclear arsenal. And of course, that is the state of Israel. And against all international conventions and treaties, it refuses to declare its own nuclear weapons. So people are naturally worried that it may pull what they call the Samson option if things are looking bleak for Israel in this conflict. And this is the problem. Could this lead to a nuclear war? Would they drag the U.S. in to face Iran? And would Israel deploy its nuclear weapons against Iran? These are problematic questions. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. Thank you, Patrick. And it's five past five. Good morning. Welcome to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards, here till seven. Might have to go over to eight. We'll just see how we go. Weather is next. This is a TNT Radio Encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at TNTradio.live. Alrighty then, let's look at the extremes. Firstly, Kaitaia, the high, highest temperature in the country, 15.5 right now. Invercargill's the lowest with 1.1 degree. The windiest place is North Shore in Auckland, 57 kilometres of wind blowing through there. I don't believe it because uh, I just do not believe it because I know I've got friends up in Northland and they've they've got 40 knots which is a heck of a lot more than 57 kilometres per hour with gusting and it's gusting to 54 knots just off the coast there up uh, by where would it be just sort of north north of Whangarei so this is a load of nonsense isn't it Kerry Kerry uh, 9.6 millimetres of rain I'm starting to doubt Met Service altogether actually let's look at the short forecast for Northland first of all Auckland and Coromandel Peninsula periods of rain with some heavy falls and possibly thunderstorms severe gale force uh, uh, what have you got? Easterlies in exposed places this morning. For Waikato, Waitomo, the Bay of Plenty and the central high country, periods of rain possibly heavy this morning and afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, rain heavy at times. Taranaki and Taumaranui to Wellington, also for the Wairarapa, Marlborough and Nelson. Cloud increasing and rain spreading south, reaching Wellington, Marlborough and Nelson this evening. For Canterbury, Otago, also Buller and Westland, mainly fine weather, but becoming cloudy along the east coast in the evening. For the south uh, Southland and Fiordland area, fine, apart from morning cloud and the odd shower in Fiordland. And the Chathams, fine spells, and uh, that's it for you. Let's look at the extended forecast, shall we, with the time at seven minutes past five here at the Liberty NZ Breakfast. If you want to uh, tell me something, uh, or if you even want to call, you can even call, but you can text me through. Most people just text through. If I can see them there, I'll, I'll answer it. Uh, the number here is... 021 I think I've got that right. Yes, 423. Looking ahead for Tuesday now, for the North Island, rain with showers for many people, <laughs> with possible thunderstorms in the afternoon and evening. Clearing in the east and south later in the day. For the South Island tomorrow, rain in the, more, in the north, easing, cloud increasing elsewhere, with isolated showers developing. For Wednesday in the North Island, cloudy at times, scattered showers becoming isolated later. For the South Island on Wednesday, becoming cloudy in the west, a few showers developing, partly cloudy 
cloudy elsewhere and isolated showers. And uh, that looks like it's just about it. We're going to look at the front page uh, main main articles on most of the fake stream media. We'll also look at um, the Australia. The uh, well, actually, I, I I will do tomorrow. I'm not quite ready this morning, but I will look at um, Sky News as well tomorrow. But not won't do that today. Lord willing, tomorrow. Uh, we'll also look at Israeli newspapers. I think we've got two or three to choose from: the Jerusalem Post, Times of Israel, and there's one other there, Arut Shiva. I think we'll have a look at that. Also, the Israeli Defence Force as well. We'll go to their website and see what they're saying. And uh, there's a lot of uh, Holocaust type deniers, modern day Holocaust deniers. So we've got to get to the bottom of that. Um, that people are saying that uh, what happened on October the seventh isn't as bad uh, as what uh, what uh, what the multiple witnesses have said it is. And uh, there's a Bible, uh, sort of a Bible proverb, which says, "In the mouth of two or three witnesses shall every word be established." So um, I think I would go with what the um, what would you go with what the terrorists say? Because the only people that are reporting out of Gaza at the moment are actually terrorists. So we're getting the information. Journalists aren't allowed to say what they want to. There, they'll be they'll they'll be killed. Whereas in Israel, there's freedom of spe- speech. There is a very robust um, fourth estate. You know, for those you know what a fourth estate is, very robust media there, and uh, they don't let their own government get away with much. So we'll look at all the publications. We'll also look at Reuters and see what sort of propaganda is coming out of there. Some of it's truthful. You know, the stuff that's not important is usually truthful, and the stuff that really is important is um, a lot of lies mixed in with it. The first casualty in a war, and we have a serious war, which could, which could lead, and at one day it will lead, to a world war and we're right on the verge of it right now so you better make sure you've got your bible verses sorted out because we could be right on the verge of world war three and it's going to be in israel that's where it's going to be the bible says just in the northern israel in a, in a uh, valley called uh, jezreel i think it's jezreel valley it's called the um what's it called now um not uh, well the battle is called armageddon and it's called the Valley of Medigo. So it's got a couple of names. And so that's where all the world... And you can see it happening, can't you? You can see the division that this has caused. And um, boy, that you've, you sort of sort your sh- the sheep from the goats when it comes to your friends, don't you? Okay, 11 minutes past five. And uh, we'll be back in a moment with the fake stream media. And that one doesn't want to play. Okay, well, that's all right. We'll find... Sam will play, won't you, Sam? Should it be compulsory to be vaccinated in this country? and that is New Zealand. If you ask my personal opinion, yes, we should be. It should be compulsory. It saves lives massively. Are you talking to your government partners about compulsory vaccination? Well, look, that's for the Minister of Health and others to, to, to uh, determine. And of course, this conversation will go on. And that was Winston Peters, of course, on the morning report. That's Radio New Zealand. That was uh, back during the pandemic, around, what, 2021, I suppose. All right, let's have a look in brief with the front page of Radio New Zealand. Also, I just want to let you know that a a French yachty was airlifted from a yacht in distress off Northern Cape. The French sailor had been rescued from the stricken yacht about 28 nautical miles off the coast of North Cape. And uh, so, but the main stories here for the Radio New Zealand publication, the, you wouldn't believe it, Kainga Aura, what does that mean? Remains tight-lipped on the fate of water-damaged properties. Uh, the January deluge that was caused by, now it wasn't Cyclone Gabriel, that came later, didn't it? This was another one, they had a big deluge. Deluge, I don't know if I pronounced that properly. Uh, it caused damage around 2,000 state homes. So obviously Kainga Aura means state housing. <laughs> 
Okay, so around 2,000 homes, including 205 homes in the south South Auckland suburb of Mangere. There's no such place as South Auckland. It's actually Manukau City, So, that, but they like to call it South Auckland for some reason. Rugby World Cup final, so close and yet so very, very far. Where do you start with a game like that? Jamie Wall reflects on the Rugby World Cup. And wind, windy gusts roar through Auckland's and Northland as ex-cyclone passes over. Nearly 2,000 Northland homes are without power as high winds continue to cause damage to the power lines. And uh, I'll just just quickly there go over so I can show people, if you're watching this, uh, listening or watching on Rumble, you can see that we've got quite a big low there. And it really is a cyclone. It's uh, the millibars are down to 990. So it's not, you know, it's a bit, bit nasty. And if I look kind of closely at it, um, it's there's gusts right now of, um, just sort of off the coast of Whangarei, 55 knots, and the average wind. And that 55 knots, you know, that's the, more than land miles and more than statute miles. That's about 60 miles per hour. And 60 miles per hour is 100 kilometres per hour of wind. So she's fair old blowing there. And uh, but the wind, on average, the wind is about 32 knots, but it's gusting up to 54 uh, in that particular area there, which is just sort of off the coast. If we come in a bit, to, you know, into say, let's say we'll just go north of Whangarei, it seems to be about the windiest place. They've got 41 knots there. That's the and the wind gusts, or that are that is wind gusts, 16 knots, but gusting to 41. So those it's those gusts that can do the damage. 14 past five. Let's go back to the main page of Radio New Zealand. And um, what have we got here? From sea to land, how to build a better fish. This is interesting. In Ruakaka, uh, I'll have a, just a very quick look at that, shall we? Oh, no, we'll, 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 we might come back to it. It's all about there. Actually, um, sort of farming fish, and it looks like it's going. It's uh, sort of tuna. I don't know if I'd want to eat them. Kingfish, and um, what's the other one? Groper. What do they call that? Harpoka. So they're cultivating them in a place. They call it agricultural uh, sorry, aquaculture, and so they've got this um, thing happening in Ruakaka. It's been going for about 21 years, actually, and so that's very interesting. I don't know if I want to eat fish, though, that's been farmed like that. I think I'd rather have them from the sea. Uh, friends of actor Matthew Perry, dead at 54, and pushing all the right buttons, there's a, a book traces the history of the essential fastener. It's a lady doing that. This is the front page, can you believe it? The front page, Auckland Marathon Runner in Critical Condition After Race. 14,000 people participate. Uh, it is ab- about the grit and just doing it for yourselves. I'm not, a- I'm not actually sure why I read that. Let's have a look. What's this all about? Oh, no, that's just about music and stuff like that. You know, who, who, who cares about that? No one. Um, what else have we got on this front page here? We've got... Um, a week in politics, an eerie silence surrounds the coalition negotiations. Another analysis. Negotiations between National Act and New Zealand First are underway, but next week, uh, next to nothing is known about them. And that's this week now, isn't it? Uh, Winston Peters is called to apologise for a bizarre tweet, and I'm not sure what that was because I went through that article earlier in the morning and I couldn't see that he'd said anything. But I do, in back in my mind, I remember there was something. I don't know if he deleted it or not. World Cup rugby here, uh, the atmosphere for the All, Cl- All Blacks versus the Springboks. It was the biggest day in the rugby calendar with the World Cup final this morning. That was yesterday. But it wasn't to be, for New Ze- it wasn't to be New Zealand's day. No, it wasn't. Um, there's an interesting story, too, about a woman, an elderly woman, that I'll get to it when I find it. Um, she she had to go to court to get her 40-year-old children evicted from her house. 
apparently they've got jobs, but they just want to stay at home. Anyway, APEC. APEC faces up to the China challenge. Superpower rivalry at APEC with China and the US vying for influence in the Pacific. They certainly need to watch out for China. She's moving in, moving in and building big ports and things which they could house their warships. You know, well, they don't have warships, do they? They have um, aircraft carriers. And so that's expected to put extra pressure on the alliance there. Tropical cyclone Lola, schooling disrupted for thousands of students in Vanuatu. And also Lola batters a remote Tikopia, a uh, Solomon Islands disaster office confirms. Tikopia. Yes, and uh, so that is the front page of Radio New Zealand. When we come back, we'll have a look at some of the other fake stream media and just see what they've got to say about what's happening today at 16 minutes past five. Here's a question. Why is everyone fat and stupid? What? There's something wrong with the way we're eating. And the what's wrong is that we're eating way too many carbohydrates. After I stopped eating carbohydrates for a month, the carbohydrate cravings went away. My appetite declined by about 75%, and that's been permanent. I eat way less, and now I'm not as hungry. And that's exactly what happened to me as well. Uh, I think it was about four or five months ago I went on the full carnivore diet, although I do have, um, what I have milk, butter, eggs, um, cheese. What else do I have? That's about it, really. Organs, lots of organ meat. I, the, the best organ meat for me is uh, lamb's meat, lamb or sheep. I don't mind. I'm not fussy. And um, you have to have that because it's full, packed full of iron and vitamin C. In fact, one kilogram, one kilogram of um, muscle meat contains enough vitamin C. So it's an absolute myth that you need vitamin C. I've completely lost so much weight. 17 kilograms I've lost in four or five months. In fact, I'd lost that probably in the first two or three months. Just went down. I'm 70 kgs. I was 87 kgs. I was what you call a fat bastard. I was. Now, don't be offended. Don't be offended because bastard is a Bible word and you shouldn't be offended with me using Bible words. All right. Otherwise, you can piss off. (laughs) That's another Bible word. Okay. Yep. So that's the only words that I use. Oh, sometimes I do slip up a bit and I'll say other words, which I shouldn't do. And I have to have to apologize about that. But I only try and use Bible words when I feel like swearing. Yeah. Okay. 18 minutes past five. And uh, we're on the, what are we now, News Hub. And we're looking at celebrities. Matthew Perry's. Now, well, I don't watch too much TV, but they tell me he was an actor in Friends. His final Instagram post was a little bit haunting, apparently. Ollie Ritchie, questionable officiating blights, epic World Cup final. Springbok history. Weather, thousands lose power in high winds as X cyclone approaches New Zealand. And a plea for more research as increasing number of Kiwis diagnosed with brain cancer. Well, you can put that down to the jab. I'll tell you now what they call it. Oh, you think, oh, oh God, how could you say such a thing? How could you say that? Well, there is a, such a thing as turbo cancer and it's all gone mad since the, the jabs came out in 2021. Now, uh, so that's just about it really. Oh no, there is a man who's critically injured after being stabbed in, uh, where was that, down in Invercargill. Better have a quick, we'll just sort of zoom in on that one, shall we? Yes, shall we? I don't know where that whistle comes from. I don't know how that happens. I haven't got a gap in my teeth or anything. Uh, a man is in a critical condition after an incident at a home in in Vicargo. That was in Southland. I thought they were all lovely people down there. Hmm, that happened on Sunday, yesterday. Uh, police said that they were called to a private property on Dunn's Road at about 7am on Sunday morning. That's far too early, isn't it? I suppose they were on the piss all night, weren't they? Bible word, Bible word, don't get angry with me. Uh, he was flown to Dunedin Hospital where he's in a critical condition. A 23-year-old woman has been taken into a custody. 
violent, eh? These flipping women. I don't know. Uh, she's been taken into custody and she's been charged with wounding with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. There's a scene guard, so the police are there all strapped up with their semi-automatic rifles in case another woman comes along and tries to <laughs> tries to stab somebody. I don't know why they would have a guard. I suppose, I suppose they have a guard so that no one goes in and just tampers with the evidence. But why do they need their guns? Well, that's all just to show us, just to get us used to the idea of police being armed with semi-automatic weapons, I would think. Mm, that's what I think. Anyway, Rugby World Cup. I've loved every minute, according to Aaron Smith. He signs off the All Blacks career with a World Cup defeat. Oh, what a shame. And here's that story I was uh, fascinated with in Italy. Parasites. That's what she, this mother, she wins a court case to evict her two adult sons. And she calls them parasites. She went to court. They had lawyers and everything. And uh, this is a, a story by the um, Clinton News Network, uh, CNN. Uh, a mother's love does, does have limits, it seems, at least for a 75-year-old woman in northern Italy in the place called Pavia, who won a case to order and uh, order after suing her sons aged 40 and 42 to be removed from her house, according to a court clerk in Pavia. That's what they told the Clinton News Network on Friday. The two sons, described in court papers by their mother as parasites, had been living in the family apartment without contributing financially or helping around the house, according to the complaints filed by the woman, who has not been named, oh, good honour, got interim name suppression, uh, in the tribunal of Pavia District Court. Both men are employed, believe it or not, and according to the court uh, documents. Judge Simona Katerbi, she sided with the retired mother, who is separated from the men's father and whose pension went entirely on food and maintenance of the home, ruling that the two bamboccionis, that's called big babies, have been, they have until December to vacate the premises, according to Tuesday's court ruling, seen by the Clinton News Network. Katerbi, she wrote, that's the judge, there is no provision in the legislation which attributes to the adult child the unconditional right to remain in the home exclusively owned by the parents against their will and by virtue of the family bond alone. The men who hired lawyers to fight the maternal eviction, according to the local newspaper La Provincia Pavisi, argued that the Italian parents are required by law to take care of their children as long as necessary. Good grief, you think that 18, they turf them out. I was gone by 18. And uh, that's incredible. Katerbi, she, uh, she, what does she say? It's probably Katabi, I'm sorry. Uh, she cited the existing law in her ruling and agreed that the stay in the property could initially be considered well-founded because the law is based on the maintenance obligation encumbered on the parents. She then ruled that it, uh, no long, it no longer appears justifiable considering the two defendants are sub, or the subjects are over 40 and, and, and once a certain age has been exceeded the child can no longer be expected expect the parents to continue the maintenance obligation beyond its limits that are no longer reasonable I think that's right but they, sh they really need to have something in there saying that you can turf them out once they hit 21 or something at the, at the, oh gosh if they're not left for by 21 there's something sort of seriously wrong isn't there a lawyer for the men told the media that the men did not uh, they had not decided if they would appeal the court decision this is not the first time mamoni that means Italian term that's described for adult men <laughs> that are too dependent on their mothers has chopped up the legal system 
And uh, in uh, sorry here in 2020, Italy's Supreme Court ruled against a 35-year-old who worked as a part-time music teacher who still expected financial support from his parents after he argued that he could not support himself on an annual salary of 20,000 euros, which would be what 20, I guess that's 21,100 uh, US dollars because this is the Clinton News Network reporting. On average, Italians leave their parental home at the average age of 30. That's just ridiculous, isn't it? Gosh, according to Eurostat 2022 data, Croatia is the highest in the European Union with an average age of 33.4 years. Point four. By contrast, offspring in Finland, uh, yes, Finland, Sweden and Denmark, they they have an average of 21 according to the same data. So that's that little story there. What do they call them? Mam- Mammonies. That's the term to describe adult men who are too dependent on their mothers. Mammonies. <laughs> oh, whoops. Now where have I gone? All right. Uh, when we come back, we'll look at stuff. And it completely is stuff today, in my opinion. So a lot of the wives are triggered on this app, saying I'm young, inexperienced, don't know what I'm talking about. But I listen to what the men say every single day through consultations, through what I do for work, YouTube videos made about you guys. Don't shoot the messenger. I'm just letting you know a lot of you are shitty wives. Did you know that one in four marriages are sexless? How are you a good wife if you don't even sleep with your husband? On top of that, we're not loyal anymore. Women leave 70 to 80% of the time, 90% of the time before college educated. How are you a good wife if you're not loyal? Yes, yes, 26 minutes past five. Quite right. That's Pearl. Of course, she's in trouble at the moment for an anti-Semitic uh, song that she played on her Twitter. And it's still there. People say it's been deleted, but I I saw it there. I think I've actually got it there somewhere. Oh, I don't know. I'll try and find it now. I don't know where I am. I'm oh, back on this. Yes, we're back on Stuffed. S-T-U-F-F. No E-D on the end of it. But people like to call it Stuffed. Stuffed.co.nz. Hmm. Now, you're the enemy, apparently. Noel, this is the celebrity, Noel Edmonds. He's going on, a, uh, they, they're saying that he's on a cycleway rant. Belinda Crisp went to see the British TV celeb to ask if a cycleway could go across part of his land in the South Island. She came away shaken. And this is a hit piece on Noel Edmonds because there's a lot of, and they're trying to make out that he's against everybody in the town, but he's not. He's not at all. In fact, most of the people in the town are with him. He's a business owner there. He's got a $30 million mansion there, and he's really very supportive, but they like to call him a misinformationist. He's an anti-vaxxer and all the, all the other rubbish. And uh, he's got the support of Liz Gunn from NZ Loyal, Sue Gray, and others. And also he, he's got a, a retired policeman as well that works for him. So, uh, yeah, so it's just a, basically a hit piece against Noel Edmonds over there at Stuff. You can go and see that's their number one story just wouldn't believe it would you also the insurance claim for the stolen horse float that wasn't michael pear i think his name is pear pear he made a seventy-four thousand dollar claim for his ford ranger and a horse float that he said was stolen but they weren't and he's ended up in hot water and in court and now he's going to face the penalty for that and a man is in a critical condition this is the the, the uh, invercargill stabbing 23 year old woman's been She's been taken, she's been arrested and charged, and she's, uh, what do they call it, charged, wounding with intent to cause grievous bodily harm. Too far, too fast. James Shaw's climate regrets. Regrets. A bittersweet election result for the Greens co-leader leaves him wondering what would have been, what it would have been if he'd kept the job for another three years. Oh, we would have been in terrible turmoil. Terrible turmoil. 
Okay, bring them home. Grieving. Now, this is serious now. Okay, shut up. Be serious. Uh, this is grieving Kiwis demand hostage release. Iyal Nuri. He is. He hasn't heard from his aunt in three weeks since she was kidnapped from her home by Hamas terrorists. Now, it seems that what they were told to do, because I've been having a look at some of the interrogations, interviews, probably, yeah, I guess you'd call them interrogations, of quite a number, I saw at least six or seven of these um, Hamas ones that they've actually captured. And, you know, Israel do capture them. They've arrested them. They didn't shoot them all. You know, it's not like, I mean, if, imagine how long you'd last if you were captured and if you're a man and you were captured in Gaza, you'd last about three seconds. But anyway, they've captured them and they've said that basically, from what I can get from it, is that the men were, ha- were to be shot. These were the orders. The men were to be killed and the women were to be taken uh, hostage. They were kidnapping the, the uh, women, elderly men and women, but young men, um, they, they were to be killed. That was their job. And also children. Uh, so that was what they were doing. And so basically they've captured, and it turns out now that it's more like 230 people. Four have been released so far, but there's about 230. We thought it was about 150, then we went to 200, 220, now it's 230. That seems to be the latest figures. It's hard to tell. Any information, really, as I said, you know, there's a lot there's a lot of propaganda going on both sides, but I think I would believe what's coming out of Israel before I believe what's coming out of a terrorist a terrorist organization. Remember, 80% of Palestinians voted for Hamas. Okay, so they're not innocent. So that's what we've got to remember. So they haven't heard from their um, their their family, and they're you know desperate to find out what on earth is going on. Uh, no deaths in a Dunedin boarding house fire, police confirm, and multi-million dollar home linked to international corruption scandal. Oh, we'd better have a look at that, shall we? Oh, free firewood, by the way. Well, what's more important? What do you want? Which, let our audience decide. Multi-million dollar home? Free firewood. Multi-million dollar home. We'll go for that one. We'll just zip in on that. We're at stuff, remember, so you've got to take everything they say with a grain of salt. Sand. Salt. A multi-million dollar home in Queenstown was bought using dirty money obtained by a man jailed for life for his role in an international corruption scandal. Hmm. The, the luxury home uh, with picturesque views over Lake Wakatipu and the Remarkables has been forfeited to the Crown after police successfully argued it was, requi- it was acquired using the proceeds of crime. The three-bedroom hillside property on Kerry Drive was bought uh, for about $3.4 million by Carolyn uh, Willyana. That sounds like a married name, doesn't it? Williana in 2017. Nearly four years later, New Zealand police began looking into the deal after receiving a tip-off from an Indonesian uh, investigation that a large-scale corruption and money laundering scheme, which caused a state-owned insurance company's estimated losses of nearly $2 billion, executives of Asuri Asuransi uh, what is this one? Is that a J or a Y? I don't know. Jiwazraha. Oh, for goodness sake. Give it a give it a break, Grant. Don't even struggle with them. Just make up some words. Okay, oh, we'll do that then. Use various companies to buy up low-value stock. The demand inflated their price, uh, and then they were then sold to the state-owned insurance company. The gains from the scheme were used to buy properties and foreign currencies. Ah, so this... Um, Assurance, uh, the bad investments led to a defaulting of thousands of 
And what is this? Bankas, bankas insurance policies. That means arrangements between the bank and the insurance company. Four of the company's executives were jailed for life in October 2020, including a 54-year-old, Benny, oh, another funny name I can't, I'll just make it up, all right, Tokasaraputuru, there you go, that's the one, um, one of the uh, country's richest men, oh, you know the one, Tokasaraputuru, it is actually, I think, country's richest man, and he was also ordered to pay about $700 million in reparation, I guess that's, what would that be? American, I suppose. During their investigation, Indonesian authorities found that uh, also the chief commissioner for property development company Hansen International hand-funneled money from the corrupt scheme into the bank accounts of Williana, uh, his close friend, who appeared to have been used as a front here in New Zealand to hide his illegal activity. When they searched the property... The properties linked to him, they discovered documents relating to Kerry Drive, the Kerry Drive home, including a letter from a New Zealand law firm detailing the settlement of the purchase. So in they went. Inquiries by New Zealand police revealed that Williana, who's 41, she bought the Kerry Road home off plans before it was built in September 2017. However, the real estate agent who struck the deal reported meeting uh, to cross up Pultro, there we are, that's as good as I can do, during negotiations. Funds for the purchase came from Williana's bank accounts in Indonesia. The real estate agent introduced her to a local banker who helped her open a New Zealand bank account, a government requirement for overseas buyers. Of course, that's all going to change under national because they're going to open it up and apparently they're queuing now and I'm looking at the view. It's gorgeous. The property is picturesque, lake over lake, a views over Lake Wakatipu and the Remarkables, it does too. I suppose they're looking at it, I'm looking at it now, am I? It looks quite nice. I don't know if I'd pay $3.4 million for it, but I suppose that's what you have to pay if you're down there. After settlement in September 2019, no one moved into Kerry Drive. No. They, no one collect, well, they collected the keys. Oh, they didn't even collect the keys or pay the body corporate fees. The real estate agent says he didn't hear from Williana, Williana again until January 2021. That was, what, just before all the lockdowns and stuff, which happened what, about March, I think, didn't it? When everything, everyone's small business just ground to a halt. When she emailed him wanting to sell the property, oh, I see, after he told her her anti-money laundering checks, ah, oh, yes, they're checking them, not, not checks, she, checks she's writing out, but they were doing some checks introduced since the purchase would be required, and she went quiet. Oh. She said she needed time to think about it. Desperate. Desperate several follow up attempts, the real estate agent never heard from her again. A year earlier, oh, well, anyway, it goes on and on, doesn't it? There we are. So, who have we got? We've got, um, we've got a few people here. We've got Blair Enzor, he's he wrote that piece, I think. Just Blair, there you go. He's good at getting to the bottom of things. That came out early this well, that came out yesterday morning. I don't know why I'm reading it, I don't know either. Yeah. It's 25 to 6, and uh, free firewood. There we are. We'll have a look at that on stuff, shall we? How about free firewood? Everyone likes free firewood. A Tasman District Council event caused a 10-kilometre-long congestion on State Highway 60 on Saturday morning. The council announced a social, on social media and its website that free firewood be, would be distributed between 11am and 2pm on Saturday on Motoroa and Rabbit Island. Well, that must be Rabbit Island. Oh, it is, oh, is Rapid Island. Oh, they've put, decided to put a Maori name in there. Picturesque from the scene shows... Uh, p- sorry, pictures, rather. How did I get risk in there? A, a picturesque, that doesn't make sense. Pictures from the scene showed cars with trailers and utes backing up 
uh, to Connings. That must be... Uh, oh, Con- Connings, what's that? I don't even know what they are. Is that like a curbside, is it? Which is normal traffic, which would be about 15-minute drive from the island. don't know what Connings is. Someone tell me. 021-732-423. Just send me a text and tell me what that means. Just educate me. Thank you. A per- well, what have we got here? A person stuck in traffic said it took 50 minutes to drive from Richmond to Redwood Road on State Highway 50, about eight kilometre stretch of road. Well, that's not very good of them, is it? On Wednesday, the council shared a post on Facebook inviting people to come and stock up on firewood supplies for next winter. And there's a picture. Oh, look at the long stream of cars. Look at that. Just bring your standard trailer, 6 by 4 foot, or ute, and take the pre-cut rounds away. Free of charge, so they've just been rounded, you've still got to split them. So that's that one there, anyway, it caused a bit of a stink, didn't it? And uh, so what else have we got here on the front page here? Thousands without power, that's all, we've already re- read that, haven't we? Rugby World Cup, bit of a dis- bit of a, uh, a discipline cost. Ah oh, yes, they sent someone off, that's the first time anyone's been sent off, been red carded, uh, on a, on a game so important and we've got uh, Mark Hinton he is the I think I know that fellow he's in Paris but he's reporting on that I think I met him when he was just getting into journalism and so it was Sam Kane and uh, and Sia Colisi they were nominated the decider in Paris big calls but I thought it was Sam Kane that went off who was it went off uh, it was disproportionate to see the All Blacks who dug in so splendidly uh, oh, well, you can go to have a look. 12-11. Oh, what a shame. South Africa beat New Zealand. Oh, well, it was good. You have to try harder, won't we, next time? Okay, we'll have a look at the Jerusalem Post in a moment. After Now we've looked at the fake stream media here in this country. Nothing very exciting to report, isn't it? Just a stabbing in Invercargill. San Francisco is the armpit of the world. You've got bad management of the state of California, and then you've got bad management of the city. You combine bad management at both levels, you get a shithole. That place is kind of shit. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean, it's a rat hole. Language. I don't understand how it's still operating right now. Well, it's not. The hotels are pulling out. All the drugstores are pulling out. Crime has just gone rampant. In San Francisco? Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a write-off. You need a tank to go to work there. You need a bulletproof vest. Well, I don't know if I'd say shit, but I certainly say dung. Dung is a Bible word. We could say that. Now, we're at the Jerusalem Post, and you can find that at uh, jpost.com. Hezbollah fires at north as IDF steps up Gaza ground. Ground invasion, I would think. Now, remember, 1,400 Israelis were murdered since October the 7th. The, that's the massacre, including th- 311 soldiers, four out of 230 known hostages released by Hamas, the terrorist organization. And uh, so that is that story there. And it's 16.30 and the time over there now. Oh, what is the time? Um, I wonder if I know. I should know. Oh, I guess it's sort of, it'll be late, getting on to late at night, I would think. That would be the time in Israel now. Yes, yes. Well, I don't know, would it be? I don't know. Anyway, IDF, Palestinians clash near Eretz crossing in northern Gaza. So, I mean, they're giving it all. It's not just Israel just bombing, you know, carpet bombing, as people are liking to make, they're sort of pretending to make out. They're very strategic. And yes, people will be killed in it. They've been told to get out. They've done everything they can to get civilians out of the northern area. They're going to have to take it back. It used to be Israel anyway. And then in 2005, they foolishly gave it to them uh, to try and sort of keep the peace in the area. And of course, what happened? The, uh, the, the, the rocket makers moved in and started firing rockets every day before October the 7th. Every day since 2005, rockets have been fired into southern Israel 
at innocent civilians. That's why they've got bomb shelters and they've got um, safe rooms and all that sort of stuff. So they're pretty brave people, Israelis, living there, but they're following the Bible. The Bible says that I will gather you from, uh, from the four corners of the earth and I will call you back into the land which I promised your father, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now, he didn't promise it to Abraham and Ishmael, the, uh, the Jewish handmaiden that Abraham um, had a bit of a th- fling with because Sarah, his wife, said, look, I'm old, I'm barren. She didn't believe God's promise that he would give her a son, and he did, but not until Ishmael was born, who was the father of the Arab nations. And so what we've got here now is a, um, I guess it's about a three and a half to 4,000 year old, well, that's, 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 a, that's how long. It was the 13th century BC when Joshua invaded the Canaanites, when he actually took it, he took it by, by force, what would you call it? Conflict. And so it was being, and they're trying to make out that it's a mythical term, that Israel is a mythical term, all these anti-Semites, all these people that hate God's children. They are God's children. That's what the Bible says. And, you know, we don't argue with the Bible because it always comes true. And he's going to gather them from amongst the four corners of the earth. No one could believe that he would do that after they were scattered by Titus of the Roman legions in AD 70. Jesus said not one stone would be left unturned on the temple building and there was gold in the temple and not one stone was left unturned. Just 40 years later, 40 years later he, that, that uh, prophecy came true. Then they were scattered right throughout the whole world and right through Europe. The Ashkenazi Jew, who just so happens to be blessed by Almighty God, has the highest IQ out of any any um, nationality in the world, followed by the Asians, and then who are good at math, <laughs> and, um, and then followed by, I guess, the Europeans, and it goes on down the line like that. So anyway, they'd been called back into the land, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. There's never been a Palestinian state, and the, it, is a, it is their ancient homeland. And that's what Zionism means. They're trying to make out it means something else. It's all load of baloney, just all rubbish. And basically, uh, Zionism, which I am one of them, because I am a Christian Zionist, I believe that Israel is the homeland for the Jews. Why? Because I have to. Because I believe my Bible. I believe it from cover to cover. I even believe just inside the cover, my mum wrote my name in there. I believe that. <laughs> I believe every word of it. And it always, it always comes true. You, you could try and prove it wrong, but you'll never be able to. There was a mathematician that set out... I think he was um, Russian, set out to try and prove the Bible wrong mathematically. And uh, he ended up becoming a Christian, a Bible-believing Christian. Now, it's no good being a pagan Christian, in other words, a Roman Catholic. Don't go putting your trust in Mary worship or, you know, putting your trust in some of those pedophile priests. Oh, no, you can't do that. The Bible says, call no man father. So you don't go calling old Father, father Johnson or whatever his name, you know, Father Dick. Don't go calling him father because he's not. He's not your father. Call no man father. Except your own father, your earth father, you know, your biological father, he's your father. But that whole system is set up just to show you the relationship that God wants you to have with him father and son, father and children, father and daughter. That's the relationship he wants. That's why he's given us parents, and that's why parents need to discipline us. Why? So that we'll end up being, so that they can raise godly children. Spare the rod, spoil the child. We've seen it, haven't we? They took away caning, and what happened? The kids went crazy. Kids need to be disciplined. They like a good whack around the ass when they're naughty. Ass, is that a Bible word? Probably not. All right, sorry about that. Now, Netanyahu apologizes for statement blaming the Defense Force for October the 7th. Did he now? 
Okay, that's interesting. This is the Jerusalem Post, don't forget. IDF, deep in Gaza, intense fire not seen since Yom Kippur. When they say fire, they don't mean set a fire, you know, set a building alight. They mean a gunfight and uh, some, some, serious, uh, some serious weaponry happening there. Now, uh, just a moment ago, a lawyer arrested for smuggling drugs to client in prison. Wow, And uh, Israel to target individual terror operatives in enhanced counter-offensive, I guess you'd call it. IDF strikes Hezbollah, that's in the north, as rockets launch towards northern Israel. And what else have we got here? Deep inside Gaza. Oh, yep, we've just read that. Okay, and uh, that looks to be it. Uh, What have we got? Hamas officials met four times in 2023 prior to October 7 attack. So this has been planned. Um, Who have we got involved in it? Well, we've got all the enemies. Most of the Arab countries are all in it. A lot of these terror terror sort of bosses live in places like Qatar and, uh, you know, other places, Jordan and Egypt and places like that. Also, I think even, you know, well out, you know, even in Europe as well. So that is uh, Jerusalem Post. And uh, so it just looks like, I'll just have a quick look. We'll just go in and look at some of these updates and just see what's happening right now, shall we? According to the Jerusalem Post, who I find to be quite, well, quite, um, quite good, really. Palestinians clash near Erez crossing of the northern Gaza. Uh, the IDF and the Palestinian terrorists. It's good they call them what they are. They call them militants. They're certainly not militants. They are terrorists because they terrorise people. Uh, they clashed near Erez Crossing in the northern Gaza area on Sunday afternoon, which is overnight now, really, not just hours ago, according to Israeli media. All of the terrorists in the area were killed by Israeli forces. Very good. And so Israel's personnel, no Israel personnel, were injured. And then an hour ago, U.S. asking Israel hard questions on Gaza military assault in the White House. The White House's uh, Sullivan, he said, we do not stand for the killing of innocent people. However, White House National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan, I was listening to him, he sounds quite good, even though he's um, sort of a Democrat. I actually thought he stepped up. We heard him in the news, didn't we, earlier on? Uh, it's 14 to 6 too, by the way, and we'll be back with TNT Radio News. Now, unfortunately... I think they sort of don't seem to work on Sunday, which is all right. They don't want to work Sunday. But uh, so the news, sometimes it's a little bit repetitive. It's not probably not till tomorrow morning until we start getting proper news coming out of C, um, what are they called? TNT. Yes. And it's not the explosives. It's today's news talk. It's what it stands for. Anyway, Jake Sullivan on Sunday would not acknowledge differences between the U.S. and Israel over the military assault on Gaza, but emphasized that Washington was being candid with its ally. Faced with growing outcry over Israel's bombardment of Gaza since the deadly October 7th attacks inside Israel by Hamas terrorists, Sullivan said, we do not stand for the killing of innocent people, whether it be Palestinian, Israeli or otherwise. That's what he said. Three hours ago, the UNIFL, UNIFL, uh, says peacekeeper injured on Lebanese-Israeli border. So that's north. That's in the north, isn't it? That'll be Hezbollah fighting against them. And, uh, you know, they better stay out because if they get involved. Remember, in 1967, was it 67? Israel was attacked by eight Arab nations. And within six days, Israel won, Israel won that war and took land a massive amount. And then in the Yom Kippur in 1973, whom quite a few of my Jewish friends went back to fight. Uh, they're a little bit older than me, and they went back to fight back in 1973. They just jumped on a plane straight away. Apparently, uh, they've had 150% of uh, reservists and others that have just flown 
flown to the to uh, to Israel, and the U.S. has. Uh, They've got a lot of um, Americans living there. I think it's about a quarter of a million Americans living in Israel and other parts, and even Lebanon too. I think they're up there. And But there's no one, none of them, obviously they're Jews, they're there to fight. They're there to defend the country. They've nowhere else to go. It's the last place for the Jew to go. Where else can he go? And there is, and Hamas's charter says from the river to the sea. That means they want to get rid of all the Jews. They want to annihilate them. They don't want to live in a two-state situation. They want them dead. And as we've said before, if the if the uh, if Hamas and the terrorists and you know all the ones that support Hamas and all the other ones, the other jihadi groups there, if the Islamic terrorists put down their weapons today, there'll be peace tomorrow in the Middle East. But if the if the Jews put down their weapons today, they'd all be slaughtered in their beds tonight. You can guarantee that, 12 to 6. Okay, so we're on the Jerusalem Post. And so there we are. So uh, when I come back, we'll have a look at, um, we'll go for, uh, who are we going next? We'll go for Aruchiva, that is Israel National News. I'll be back with that in just a moment. What? Tori, what? Castration and double mastectomies for 13-year-olds? Well, yeah. No, or, seriously, or, oh, yeah. man. That's, that's crossed the line. That is not tolerance. That is an inexcusable sometimes. silence on the part of the majority, the vast majority, who knows this to be wrong in the deepest possible sense. Most of the bloody Nazi propaganda that led to the extermination policies at the beginning of World War II were predicated initially on compassion and tolerance. So this whole, we're being compassion and tolerant. It's like, no, you're not. You're aiding and abetting the surgical mutilation of minors. That is not compassionate. And it's not tolerant. That's right. There we are. Jordan Peterson there, letting him have it. And that guy said, well, sometimes it's certainly not good on you. So many people don't quite properly understand the drugs that they're giving kids to transition. They're actually castrating them, basically. So it's a chemical castration. Just an absolutely hideous thing. And um, it needs to be put a stop to when Donald Trump gets in. All that rubbish is going to end. OK, now we're over at Ruchiva and Israel to open additional water line to Gaza Strip. Well, I wouldn't. Not until they release all the hostages. Then then we'll talk. You're not getting anything. I'd be a lot tougher. I'd be a lot tougher. I think I would anyway. <laughs> I used to be indecisive, but now I'm not so sure. Well, it's 10 to, 10 to 6. Anyway, Israel to open the additional water. The War Cabinet decided to open. Now, the War Cabinet, remember, is, is made up. They've actually, in Israel, they've formed a sort of a coalition uh, between, you know, the opposition sort of, They've all basically said, hey, look, we've got to get together on this. So that's what they've done. They've formed a war cabinet, so there's no mucking around. They're at war. They're fighting for their very existence. Now, the war cabinet decided to open a second water line to the southern Gaza Strip, claiming it would legitimise continuation of the operation. OK, rocket hits a house in Kirat Shimona. Just have a quick look at that one, if I can. It's, I find it very difficult to navigate now remember, this operation from Israel is called the Swords of Iron, Israel at War, and uh, my goodness, they are Israeli. Israel has entered its fourth week of the war. That's what they say since October. Okay, that's all sort of we're just sort of the same old, same old. Okay, so towards the end of the week three, uh, Israel began conducting small-scale ground activities in the Gaza Strip on Friday night. Um, which would be like yesterday, wasn't it, or the day before? Yep, the IDF forces entered the Gaza Strip and have remained there. That's in the northern part, with the intensity of the activity slowly uh, growing, 
since then. Now on Sunday at 6.30, so that's just pretty not far away, this is a live update. Missile sirens sounding in the northwest of Israel, including Nah. Naharia. I'm not very good at all these words, am I? Words are a mystery to me. <laughs> On Sunday at 6.08, the IDF says that following the initial report regarding the sirens that sounded in the city of Kiat Shimona uh, in the northern Israel area, six launches, wonder what they are, not lunches, six launches were identified towards Israel, so I guess that's rockets or missiles. IDF soldiers are responding with fire towards the origin of the launches. In addition, following the report regarding three launches from Lebanon towards Israeli territory, another hour ago, the IDF struck the launching post from which the launches were carried out. And, this, and they, what they do up there, those Blim and Hezbollah, they'll put Christians, they'll put Lebanese Christians in front and use them as human shields. We know that. It wasn't Noni Darwish because she was, I think Noni was, her father was a Fedayin terrorist leader. He was killed by the Israelis. But she said that um, that was in Gaza. She said, we learnt to hate the Jews at the Gaza element uh, elementary school. That's where we learnt. It's in the textbooks. It's at, that's why there's so much hatred there. It's fanatical. Anyway, and uh, now who was it? There's another one. She's a lovely girl as well. Now she's a Christian. And uh, she's got some interesting stories, but I just can't remember her name. But she's up and, and with the Hezbollah, and she said that's what they do. The, the Muslim terrorists, they do that. They always use the women, the, you know, the men hide behind the women. Whereas the Israelis, they go out front and protect the women. The women are in the, the bomb shelters in Israel and in Gaza. The Muslim terrorist, he doesn't do that. He puts the woman out front and he's in the bomb shelter uh, firing his rockets from there. Okay, and then on Sunday at 5.32 p.m., which is not that long ago, missile sirens in Kiyat Shimona. Oh, okay, so that's a bit of a repeat. We're just sort of going down. There's a timeline here on Arut Shiva. Let's go over to the um, uh, Israeli Defense Force, shall we? And uh, Commander, Commander, we are at war. First documentation of terrorist neutralizations from the Field Intelligence Corps. These are some of the headings. I just wonder if there's something here that I could bring... To you, I know that they were interrogating, or they've eliminated some key Hamas terrorist operatives. They've been neutralised by the IDF and the ISA. That must be some kind of a special, special air service or something like that. Uh, suicide bombings and underground attack tunnels. Uh, who was Muhammad Def? Now, Muhammad Def is one of the big ringleaders of the whole thing. Yes. Now, um, what have we got here? We've got a special briefing. When was the last briefing that they had? The last one was on the 29th, which is like today, really, just overnight. So let's just click on that and see what this... Uh, this is the briefing from... Uh, it says a readout of a daily briefing from Rear Admiral Daniel Hagari. And that was today. Oh, should we play that and see what he... Oh, no, we won't be able to. It'll be in, it'll be in Hebrew, I suppose, will it? Probably is. Let's see if it is. Might not be. Might be in English. Doubt it, though. Looks like it's in Hebrew. I love the sound of Hebrew. Let's have a little skip forward a bit. We've got all sorts of people there. Anyway, look, I won't do that. I'm mucking around. Oh, oh it is an English translation. Oh, okay. A little bit. But they've probably got words coming up. Come on, say something, love. I haven't played this before. Oh, they're mucking around. We're two minutes in and they're still not talking yet. Come on. Oh, we can't wait for you. No, no, I need to go make a cup of tea. Anyway, I haven't got time to wait for that. Okay, so what is it? 
Uh, so good morning. Oh, yes, so they go on to say, Throughout the night, we expanded the entry of IDF troops into Gaza Strip. They joined the forces already fighting there. The ground operations in northern Gaza Strip continue. We are progressing through the stages of the war according to plan. We are gradually expanding the ground activity and the scope of our forces in the Gaza Strip. The operations on the ground are complex and include risks to our forces. We will do everything we can from the air, sea and land to ensure the safety of our forces and achieve the goals of the war. Mm. North, in response to the fire from Lebanon towards the northern border during the night, we struck military targets. We read about that in the other publication. Infrastructure and posts belonging to Hezbollah terrorist organization. The Hezbollah terrorist organization continues to operate against us in the north, and we are striking all those who are acting against us. Any Hezbollah terrorist cells that come near the fence will be struck. On the home front, we are continuing an ongoing situational assessment in order to succeed in establishing routine in the shadow of the war. I urge you to continue looking at the website of the Home Front Command and stay updated. We will, of course, post any changes and updates and continue to improve and fix any bugs that we may have in the application. We must stay vigilant. So far, the conduct of Israeli civilians has been exemplary and saved lives. Keep it up. Good on you. Hostages and missing persons. So far, we've notified the families of 311 fallen IDF soldiers as well as the families of 230 hostages. We are embracing the families. We will continue to accommodate them at all times, and we are doing everything that we can to return the hostages home. This is our ultimate goal. The IDF soldiers are fighting in the field at this very time in order to achieve this goal. Enlistment of field observers. Today, a new course of field observers drafted into the Israeli Defense Force. Now, we witnessed the bravery of field observers during the surprise attack on October the 7th. Observation soldiers play a very significant, important role in the maintaining and security of the Israeli civilians. Uh, Maintaining it, rather. They are deployed in defending all the country's borders. That's the observers. In the coming month, we intend to continue the November enlistment as usual, including the enlistment of combat soldiers. We will make the necessary adjustments so that all enlistments take place as planned and that the building of the IDF's strength will continue even in the shadow of war. Now I will answer questions. So she did, and there were sort of questions that the Prime Minister wrote during the night that uh, not a single warning was given of Hamas intent for war, both from the IDF Intelligence Directorate and the ISA. Okay, so this is going to be quite long-winded, so I don't think I'll go there, but you can go there yourself. It's um, idf.il, and you can have a look and just see what's coming out. And yes, um, I'm sure there'll be some propaganda in there. There has to be. But uh, I I think I would believe what's coming out of the IDF before I believe what's coming out of the Palestinian, so-called Palestinian area, uh, which is uh, basically... Just Pallywood, really. That's what we've seen in the past, and you know why would we expect it to be any any different? We've got news coming up shortly. It's two minutes to six, I think it is. By Joe's, it is two. It's two minutes to six, and uh, we'll have some news very shortly. We'll be there back in a tick, back in a tick with some news. Congressman, not the NBC media, not no, I have, most I, American I media. I we're talking. Say, I did not say NBC, but but CNN. And I will tell you, media in it, the Arab world. And I will, CNN did as well, and I will tell you, uh, it is wrong. 
It is wrong. We need to, when you are in war, you better make sure you have your facts. We cannot have Baghdad Bobs running around uh, promulgating these lies, uh, especially members of Congress. Uh, so it is imperative. Uh, it does matter. Uh, facts matter here. And we need to make sure uh, that people understand Israel did not attack a hospital. Uh, that was a terrorist organization that did that. Who's to say that the boy would be happier your way or mine? Why not let him decide? Now, I'm afraid it don't work that way. You can't let a young one decide for himself. He'll grab at the first flashy thing with shiny ribbons on it. And when he finds out there's a hook in it, it's too late. The wrong ideas come packaged with so much glitter, it's hard to convince them that other things might be better in the long run. And all a parent can do is say, wait, trust me, and try to keep temptation away. I believe in one true God. I believe that that God resides in each of us. I think it is the same statement of spirit when we say in the Christian tradition and I did go to Catholic schools and I've read the Bible perhaps more closely than most Christians I know. It's the same message as when we say we are equal because we are made in the image of God. That strand of sacrifice and duty that's foundational to Hinduism. I think it's the common strand between the Old Testament and the New. I mean, God asked Abraham to sacrifice his son Isaac for God. He didn't make him follow through with it. The New Testament, God comes back and says, I will sacrifice my son, Jesus Christ, for you, the people. And so that's a long way of saying that I'm not Christian. And just in my spirit of my answer to the last question, I will never pretend to be something I'm not. I'm always going to speak the truth about who I am and what I stand for. It is also a fact that I deeply share those values. If you miss this hour, simply comment. go to episodes at TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. Taking a look back at some of the news that shaped the past week, I'm Matt Boyland. Iran issued a direct threat to the United States, clapping back at President Joe Biden, who warned Iran against attacking U.S. troops in the Middle East. According to the Pentagon, 30 American soldiers have been injured in over a dozen rocket and drone strikes on bases housing U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria over the past week. And the White House has accused Iranian-backed proxies of coordinating the attacks. Responding to the increased threat in the region on Wednesday, President Biden warned Iran's supreme leader that the U.S. would respond if the attacks against American personnel continued. My warning to the Ayatollah was that if they continue to move against those troops, we will respond, and he should be prepared. But appearing unfazed by the threat, Iran's foreign minister clapped back on Thursday, accusing the US of managing the genocide in Gaza and warned that if the bloodshed continued, America would not be spared. The Iranian diplomat issuing the remarks at an emergency meeting at the UN General Assembly in New York. He said while his country does not seek war with Washington, the US is playing a dangerous game in a region far away from home. I say frankly to the American statesmen who are now managing the genocide in Palestine that we do not welcome to expansion of the war in the region. But I warn, if the genocide in Gaza continues, they will not be spared from this fire. It is our home, and West Asia is our region. We do not compromise with any party and any side. 
President Biden has pledged to stand by Israel and is currently pushing Congress to authorise a $14 billion military package for the Jewish state. Meanwhile, the US has also deployed a massive Navy contingent to the Middle East, consisting of over 12,000 American personnel aboard 10 warships. Also making news this week, a missile landed in a resort town in Egypt, roughly 200 kilometres outside of Gaza. The rocket reportedly struck a medical facility in a town on the Red Sea near the Israeli border on Friday. At least half a dozen people are said to have been injured in the strike. The FBI was accused this week of covering up intelligence it received from a network of over 40 credible informants containing allegations against America's first family. Senator Chuck Grassley revealed that dozens of confidential sources provided the FBI with a catalogue of criminal information about President Joe Biden, his son Hunter and Joe's brother, James Biden. Fox News' Jesse Waters has more. 40 FBI informants, going back to the time Joe Biden was vice president, have been providing criminal information to FBI field offices throughout the country. Feeding the Bureau exactly what Joe Biden, James Biden, and Hunter Biden have been doing all over the world. So, what does it mean that the FBI has had the Biden family wired? And what does it mean that the FBI hasn't done a thing? Well, it tells me that the FBI knows all of the president's dirty laundry and is blackmailing him because Senator Grassley also revealed that to run this criminal information back to headquarters and were blocked at every corner. Not only was Biden blackmailing other countries and other countries blackmailing him, but the FBI was blackmailing Biden. Now we have a compromised president in the White House being protected by a rogue gang of sick agents. And just one day after taking office, Slovakia's new prime minister has pulled the pin on military support for Ukraine and is instead calling for an immediate ceasefire. Did you know plastic pollution in the world's oceans is one of the biggest environmental issues of our time, impacting nearly 700 marine species? Not only does it impact sea life, it also carries toxic pollutants into the food chain. Every year, millions of tons of plastic enter the oceans, primarily from rivers. And the plastic that's afloat within the oceans isn't going away by itself. The Ocean Cleanup, a nonprofit organization, is developing and scaling technologies to rid the world's oceans of plastic. Our aim is to have removed 90% of floating ocean plastic pollution by 2040. We plan to do this by cleaning up the legacy plastic, the plastic already floating in the ocean, and by stopping the sources of plastic flowing into our oceans. With the support of individuals, corporations, and governments all over the world, we will work towards a future where plastic no longer pollutes our oceans. Your contribution can make a great impact on cleaning our rivers and oceans. Visit theoceancleanup.com and join the cleanup today. A message brought to you by TNT Radio. Oh, you will tell you what, mate. <laughs> You've got bigger issues to worry about. Let's play our ad for TNT Radio, who bring us wonderful news. The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at TNTradio.live. There are 2,000 men in the world at the moment that can run 100 metres faster than the greatest sprint, female sprinter of all time. Mm. 2,000 men. 1,500 of the top male tennis players could beat Serena Williams. Yeah. So if even one of them decides to, to become identified, all you have to do 
You don't have to fully transition or go through any surgery or anything like that. You just have to say, I identify as a woman. You need you to have, be on hormones. You have hormonal treatment to reduce your testosterone levels to the required level, mm. but you physically remain the same, and then you can compete in the women's yeah. sport. There is nothing fair or equal about allowing transgender women who were born to male biological bodies to compete against women. It's a joke, isn't it? Someone once said, it's, the world is a, is a mental asylum run by the inmates. Certainly would have to be. Seven minutes past six. Good morning. Welcome to Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards. Here till seven at least. Possibly might need to go to eight. I don't know. Just depends what comes up. And uh, so anyway, we're just looking at all here. We'll look at the extremes, first of all, and the weather. Uh, yes, now I'm over on weather. And it's still... I'm just going to have a quick look at the old... Um, the windy. And we've got gusts of up to 40 up in the north... Northland at the moment, 40 knots gusts there. Uh, this is on land. Out at sea, it's a bit more than that, I think, isn't it? Oh, no, 46, 47. Yes, it's up there. Further down towards Auckland, it's not... Oh, it's pretty bad there as well, actually. They're getting a good old hammer, hammering. And also on the Coromandel Peninsula, they're getting up nearly 60 knots. So there is a fair old... You know, that is a, a serious wind. That's up there, 60 knots. That's about 75 miles per hour. The low has um, hectopascals. I think it's a reading of 990. Of course, at the very... Um, right in the middle of a, of a low... Uh, this one's a bit off-centred, but right in the middle, it's only 17 kilometres per hour. Uh, so, sorry, 17 knots, which is not. Well, it's still a good old wind, but um, this is quite nasty. This actually, to me, looks like worse than what Lo this is supposed to be, the end of Lola. But um, I, was, I was looking at it, and it didn't look that nasty when I was looking at it late last week, when it was up there, at, um, it was coming through, what would you call that place there? It's got a name there, it'll pop up in a minute. Oh, it doesn't say... And it was on its way to um, Apia, was it? No, gosh, none of the names are coming up now. Don't know why. Anyway, so here it is. It um, seems to have gathered some strength. Probably directed, isn't it? <laughs> All the conspiracy people say, oh, yes. But it does look pretty nasty, doesn't it? Gosh, look at that. If you're over on Rumble, have a look. Man alive. She looks a bit nasty. Okay, let's look at the extremes. The highest temperature at the moment is Kerikeri, 15.8 degrees in Kerikeri. Omarama, which is in Mackenzie country, 1 degree. Big change, isn't it? Auckland is the windiest, apparently. 69 kilometres of wind. Well, it's far more than that. Let me just go over to Windy. Windy's very good. They use it on board some of the ships. They use it all the time. Yachties use it. And uh, it's very, very good. So those are wind gusts I'm looking at there, 48 knots. I'll just move into Wellington. We'll move into the um, to the Hariki Gulf, and I'll click in there. What have we got? 48 knots. But the average wind in there at the moment is about 33 knots solid. Uh, there we are. That one, there's one that says 48 knots. Whereabouts is that? Tiritiri Matangi, which is just off the um, Coromandel Peninsula. So they've got uh, 48 knots gusting 56 at the moment. That's knots, not kilometres per hour. So it's way more. So Met Service, you're way off, actually, with Auckland having uh, in North Shore 69 kilometres per hour. That's um, that's way under. We're getting more than that right now. Tauramananui, apparently, Tauramanui, uh it's 5.4 millimetres of rain. I'm starting to doubt everything I'm reading here. I think they just make it up on the day. The temperatures anyway, they say um, Stewart Island's on 10. Um, I don't know, should we look at that? Not really. Timaru, it's a very, very varied, very, very varied. Queenstown 2, Timaru's 2, France Joseph 3. You work your way up the coast there, it gets a wee bit warmer, 7, 5 in Blenheim. 
Um, Chatham Islands is nine. It is a bit cooler at the moment, I have to say. Wellington seven, Masterton eight. Gosh, that's three days in a row that Ansel's proven me wrong. I said that um, his uh, place, which is Wakako, what is it? Wakaori, Ori, Wakaori, Ori. That's what they're going. To, that's where he went to school in Wakaori, Ori. He has no idea what I'm talking about. Masterton, uh, but it's three three days in a row that um, since you know working days since I've been doing this breakfast program, um, he's proven me wrong. I always thought it was about double. You know, less. If it was seven, it's going to be like three and a half degrees in Masterton. And that was the way it was until I sort of had this conversation with him. And now it's like always much hotter. Um, so it's getting warmer. Further north we go, so that tropical cyclone is bringing the temperature up sort of, tw- you know, between 12 and or 10 in Rotorua. But it's always cold there. Oh, Tapo. Can't really. <laughs> it's cold as charity, isn't it? There. It sure is. So let's say averaging around about 12 or 13 degrees and Kaitaia's got 15.8, so they say. Don't know if I believe it. It's 12 minutes past six. Let's look at the short forecast now. First of all, for Northland, Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula, periods of rain with some heavy falls and possible thunderstorms today. Severe gale force easterlies in exposed places this morning. It was overnight too, apparently. Waikato, Waitomo, the Bay of Plenty and the Central High Country. Periods of rain, possibly heavy this morning and afternoon. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, rain heavy at times. Taranaki and Taumurunui to Wellington, also Wairarapa. Marlborough and Nelson, cloud increasing with rain spreading south, reaching Wellington, Marlborough and Nelson in the evening. Canterbury, Otago, also Buller and Westland, fine, mainly fine today, but becoming cloudy along the east coast this evening. For, um, what's that one? Southland and Fjordland, uh, fine apart from morning cloud and the odd shower in Fjordland. And then you've got the Chatham Islands, fine spells for you. Looking ahead to Tuesday in the North Island, you've got cloud, uh, yes, some cloud, nothing like a bit of cloud. Now you've got rain and showers for many, with possible thunderstorms in the afternoon. That's tomorrow in Northland, and the whole of the North Island actually, and also in the evenings. So you've got some thunderstorms on the way, because it's quite warm and t- you know, sort of like muggy, isn't it? A bit hot. And uh, they'll be clearing in the east and later in the south. Uh, and uh, in the South Island, rain in the north easing. Cloud increasing elsewhere with isolated showers developing. On Wednesday in the North Island, cloudy at times. Scattered showers becoming isolated later in the South Island on Wednesday, becoming cloudy in the west and just a few showers developing. Partly cloudy elsewhere with isolated showers. Looking ahead to Thursday in the North Island, for the northern half, a band of rain spreading from the west with possibly heavy falls elsewhere, fine breaks with a few showers developing. South Island on Thursday, you've got rain. I was going to say, I thought it looked like pain, but I had my... You've got pain, all right, Um, but I had my mouse over the bottom half of that there. It's not not pain, it's just rain. Rain and showers in in the west and the south, generally fine elsewhere. Now Friday, it's going to all fine up. It's going to be a wonderful weekend. Let's, let's have a look and see. For, north, for the North Island, rain and showers, easing to isolated showers. It's getting better. In the South Island, showers in the west and south with isolated falls elsewhere. Now the long-range forecast for the Chatham Islands, periods of rain throughout, uh, throughout what? Or throughout the week. Northerlies becoming strong on Tuesday. So that's it for weather, news and weather from TNT. We'll have some more at 7 o'clock. It's 14 minutes past 6, and uh, we'll pop over and see what the newspapers are doing. They might have all woken up over there. Let's see if I can find my way back to the turntable. There we are. We'll be back in a moment. A salary is the drug they give you when they want you to forget about your dreams because it's very easy to stay 
in that world where somebody is mitigating your risk. You just have to perform certain tasks, do them well for a third of your day, and they will feed you a salary. That's right. Um, I'm not quite ready, actually. I have to. Um, I have to go and um, you know, blah blah blah. Um, let's find out. Does anyone know what the tribulation period is? That's a well, no. Well, it's a seven-year period, and many Bible uh, people that um, study prophecy say that it's that it's still in the future because Daniel had a dream. Oh no, he didn't have a dream. He had sort of had a. What did he hear? He was standing there, and God spoke to him. Some angels came and talked to him. One angel, I think, in particular, probably Gabriel, is the one that brings the good news, because I don't think it'd be Michael. Michael does all the all the murdering, not murdering. He doesn't murder; he kills. <laughs> There's a difference. Anyway, so I think it was Gabriel, and Gabriel said, "There'll be seventy weeks for thy for thy people." Daniel, being a Jew, and um, so there there was seventy weeks. It was from when the commandment went forth to build Jerusalem until the Messiah, the Prince, shall, shall be 69 weeks. And after 69 weeks, uh, he shall be cut off, uh, but not for himself, but for his people. Uh, and anyway, so we've got that 70 weeks, though, but after 69 weeks, the Messiah came. From what? From a commandment. Well, it just so happens that the Persian prince, um, Longeminus, gave a commandment, I think it was to Nehemiah, to build Jerusalem. Because he was a nice man. He said, yeah, I'll give you the funds. He supplied all the workers and everything, and they started rebuilding. But from when that proclamation went forth, uh, it was exactly 69 weeks of Jewish calendar years. That's a lunar calendar. From when he gave that proclamation, provable outside of the Bible, until when Jesus Christ rode into the city of Jerusalem, the king comes on, uh, on a donkey when he's coming in peace, and he came in peace to lay down his life, and he was cut off. Just as it says in Daniel chapter 9, I think around about 26, he was cut off exactly 483 years to the day. He said 70 weeks, that's 490. Well, we've got seven more years to go, and that's in the future. Why? Because there's not a king on the throne in Israel. They were all banished from there after Jesus uh, died the, um, and rose again and went back to heaven. And he's coming back the same way, apparently, in a cloud. That's, I believe that. Yes, I do. I do. I believe everything. I believe everything in that book. All of it. Because why? Because when it says something, it always seems to come true. I mean, who would have ever thought that the Jews would have come back into the land of Israel, which they were scattered from uh, in AD 70, come back in after 2,000 years, and they're back in 1948. They came back in. And now God is drawing all the nations together for this mighty battle in northern Israel called Medigo or Valley of Jezreel, and I think it was, um, who was it, Jezreel, uh, I think it was um, Napoleon, the one that had his, used to like putting his hand inside his waistcoat, I think, didn't he, sort of a Masonic sort of a symbol, apparently, uh, he said, "What a, this would be a fantastic place for a battle, and Allenby, the British general, or colonel, not sure what he was, Allenby, he, he had a battle there, he um, actually won, in 1917, he beat the Muslim Ottomans and destroyed the Ottoman Empire and he took Israel back and then in 1948 they gave it to the Jews but it's always been given by conquest always been taken rather that area by conquest as I said before right back to uh, when Joshua in the 13th century BC before Christ so we're talking a long time ago that's when the Israelites were commanded by God to take that land from the Canaanites, which they did. But it's always been uh, held by conquest. You've got to fight for it. 
And uh, so that's been the way it is. So where they're fighting now is where David fought Goliath in that Gaza area. And that was when Philistine, there's no Philistines left. They're all gone. The people that are there now, they're not the descendants of the Philistines. They're basically just Arabs. They're half Arab, half Jew, because Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And then Abraham, uh, Sarah said, take the handmaiden. She's an Egyptian handmaiden. And he did because they didn't. Well, he might have trusted God, but she didn't. Sarah didn't. And what happened? She bought she bought um, a curse really upon the whole whole world. If you if you think this whole war is because of two half brothers, Ishmael, the father of the Arabs, okay, and uh, and all the the Jewish nation. But it's all it's all to do with the devil hates the Jews, and you can see it. You can see it in people. They're just making up lies about Israel, and uh, you know they may they may have a good government or bad government doesn't matter. The promises that all in many, many parts of the Old Testament that God will gather the, the Israelites, the Israelis, the 12 from the 12 tribes of uh, you know the fathers, all the tribes, Benjamin, Judah, and all that, He will gather them from amongst the nations where I've scattered them. That's what the Bible says. That's what the Lord says to them. He promised it to Abraham, He promised it to Ishmael. No, he didn't. He didn't promise it to Ishmael. He's not the descendant of the promise. He promised it to. Abraham, Isaac, Ishmael's half-brother, and then Isaac, his son, Jacob. Jacob became, God says, I call you Israel. And so the Romans tried to take away Israel, to wipe it from the face of the earth. They tried to turn it into some mythical city, uh, mythical land, I should say. And they did that by changing the name to uh, Palestine, Palestina. And that's what the Romans did. And there's never been a Palestinian state. Never. In fact, the word Palestinian was pretty much coined and became popular through Yasser Arafat back in the 60s and 70s. Yasser Arafat was actually murdering just a just a horrible, wicked uh, Egyptian. That's basically what they are. They're not Palestinians. They're basically Egyptian Arabs, and that's, they're living there, and they're being used... Uh, and some of them can't get out. I mean, Israel said, you know, they've dropped leaflets all over the northern area saying you've got to get out. And the Hamas, the terrorists, are stopping the people from leaving. They're using them as human shields. 21 past six. Okay. Now, I'll be back in a minute. Here's the Great Tribulation. Listen to this. You know, the people of this world don't like Bible-believing Christians anyway. Uh, they think that we're an impediment. They think we're odd. They think we're weird. We, they think we're stubborn. They think we're standing in the way of progress. So one of these days, we'll be out of here. One of these days, we'll be gone. And then the restrainer will no longer be here. And at that time, folks, uh, you might as well try to dam up Niagara Falls with toothpicks as to hold back the flood of wickedness and, and evil that will come upon this world. That time is known in the Bible as the Great Tribulation. That's right, the final week of Daniel's 70-week prophecy. And if you want to know more about that, you can go online and you can download free on a, as a PDF The Coming Prince by Sir Robert Anderson. His work is irrefutable. He used the Royal Astronomer of London, the Royal Astronomer, who is a non-Christian, back in the early or the late 19th century. Yes, the late 19th century. 
that he wrote that book, The Coming Prince, and it's irrefutable. No one even gets close to it. 69 weeks of lunar calendar years. Daniel was a Jew from when Artaxerxes, I think that's how you pronounce his name, Longeminus or Darius or got different names. He's the Persian prince. It's there in the Persian history books that he did give a commandment. And on that day, he used the royal astronomer to verify his work uh, his calculations that when Longeminus gave the commandment to Nehemiah to rebuild Jerusalem, it was exactly 69 weeks of lunar calendar years, a week of years, not just weeks. And God put it in code so it couldn't be copied or it couldn't be counterfeited. And isn't that clever? Then you wouldn't really know that prophecy until after it had happened. And then you look back and say, oh, far out. Yeah. Oh, wow. 70 weeks. It's weeks of years. 490 years. That's there it is, 490 years, but we've only got we're only up to 483. We've got another seven to go there in the future. That is the truth. Okay, we're going now to have a look at Reuters, mm-hmm. and the time is 26 minutes. Uh, no, it's not. It's 24 minutes past six, and the death toll from the ArcelorMittal mine fire in Kazakhstan rises to 38. Did you know that? The death toll f- uh, from this fire in a mine owned by the it's called. ArcelorMittal in Kazakhstan. It's now 30, uh, 38, and that was overnight, and that was according to search operation. They're looking for eight miners, but they're um, they've continuing. It's according to the Ministry of Emergency Situations, so it mustn't be something that uh, doesn't happen. It must happen on a regular basis. Now we're in Jerusalem. Israeli forces wage ground operations against Hamas in Gaza overnight. In what Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu called the second phase of a three-week-old war aimed at crushing Palestinian terrorists. They didn't say that. They called them militants. But they're not. They are terrorists. And then we've got this uh, place in India. One person was killed and dozens injured when at least one homemade bomb exploded in a convention centre in the southern Indian state of Kerala on Sunday. That's just overnight. Uh, they, are, they were a Christian group. They were holding a prayer meeting, so they tried to blow them up. Isn't that lovely? Aren't they nice? What lovely people. In Los Angeles, actor Matthew Perry, he's the French guy, isn't he? Yes. Now, um, the beloved star of the top-rated 1990s U.S. television sitcom Friends, as the wisecracking Chandler Bing, he died on Saturday. This is just yesterday, really, isn't it? Uh, their time. After, apparently, drowning in a hot tub. He was 54. Palestinians, so-called, traumatized by Israel's bombardment of the Gaza Strip in a bid to destroy the the so-called militant, they call the actual terrorists, aren't they, Hamas, and all the other uh, terrorists that are acting in that that area that are fighting. uh, they, it says here that they were struggling to, to make contact with family and friends. Now, this information, all the information we're getting out of Gaza is coming from the terrorists. There's no real journalists there. And if there are any, they're not allowed to say anything that goes against what the Palestinian Authority tell them to, to, uh, to say. In Moscow, Russia will confiscate assets belonging to European Union states it deems unfriendly if the bloc seals, uh, rather steals, frozen Russian funds in a drive to fund Ukraine, a top ally of President Vladimir Putin said on Sunday. And Beijing, Beijing, Jiangshan, that's the forum that China's biggest annual show of military diplomacy, it started on Sunday overnight, although the Asian power is still missing a defence minister who typically hosts the event. I wonder what happened to him, he just went missing, didn't he? That was months ago. And uh, a Chinese Communist Party delegation has visited the Solomon Islands, calling the flourishing cooperation between China and the Pacific nation, 
a show of how diplomatic ties were in their people's interest. Mm. At China's state media said on Sunday, no, 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 that is not a good idea. We can't have them setting up bases. They build ports that could house their um, their warships, their aircraft carriers. They're that, they're that big. Very bad. Bad, bad, bad. We don't want them. And we don't want them. I've always said, why are we dealing with China? Why are we dealing with China, our future enemy? And they are our future enemy. We know that because the Bible says the Bible says that they will come across the river Euphrates, the Red Army, with boasting 200 million men at arms. And even the, uh, the Antichrist, the beast of Revelations 13, who's fully infiltrated, fully sort of possessed by Satan himself after he receives a mortal wound, and three days later he rises from the dead in, in sort of a, a counterfeit of Jesus, because he's going to pretend he is the Messiah, and he's going to convince people, because he comes as peace, and you know, offering peace. Uh, he signs a peace treaty in the Middle East, a peace treaty, <laughs> a peace treaty, and then after three and a half years, it's broken. I would assume it's lunar years, Jewish calendar. I would think that would be right, because it's all about Israel. Everything's all about Israel, and uh, so you know, let's just hope that our kids don't have to go and fight in the Middle East, because that's not what we want. Anyway, let's hope that the um, pre-tribulation rapture is true, that we end up going to heaven before it happens. Mm, that would be nice, wouldn't it? But, you know, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe halfway through. Maybe at the end. We may have to go through it. Whatever. It's, uh, it's the Lord's will. And the Bible says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what a day may bring forth. Now, according to this one here, thousands of Gazans, the res- they residents there, they broke into warehouses and distribution centers in the United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency. Uh, yeah, that, uh, uh, distribution centers that belong to the United Nations Palestinian Refugee Agency. It's UNRWA, and they were grabbing flour and basic survival items. That was what the organization said overnight. At least 32 dead and 14 missing after Acelormittal. That was a fire in Kazakhstan. We read about that earlier. Okay, so that is all we have from the Reuters. And uh, we will be back in a moment uh, with um, with something else. Here we are. We that's all know, but still. That, that's Klaus, Mr. Sw- Mr. Schwab. He's the, um, this, you're a conspiracy theorist if you say what he's about to tell you. We all know, but still pay insufficient attention to, place where you have five to the frightening days. scenario of a comprehensive cyber attack, which would bring to a complete halt to the power supply, transportation, hospital services, our society as a whole. The COVID-19 crisis would be seen in this respect as a small disturbance in comparison to a major cyber attack. To use the COVID-19 crisis as a timely opportunity to reflect on the lessons the cybersecurity community can draw and improve our preparedness for a potential cyber pandemic. Very good, Klaus. All right, it is uh, 29 minutes past six. You're here listening to the Liberty NZ Breakfast with me, Grant Edwards. We're looking at New Zealand history now. Going back to 1865, on this day, 30th of October, the Native Land Court was created. Now, the Native Land Court was one of the key products of the Native Lands Act 
in 18, of 1865. It enabled the conversion of traditional communal land holdings into individual titles, making it much easier for settlers to purchase Maori land. Also on this day in 1918, a massive prohibition petition presented to Parliament. Prohibition supporters presented, you know what, prohibition, no booze, that was in 1918. Uh, they presented to Parliament with a petition containing more than 240,000 signatures demanding an end to the manufacture and sale of alcohol in New Zealand. Should we have a closer look at that one? That sounds quite interesting, doesn't it? Let's look at that then. I'm looking at some old, some old pictures here, and it's got um, production of crime. And then it says national prohibition of liquor bars. And here we are. So the uh, Prohibition supporters, they presented to Parliament uh, a petition containing, like I said, 240,000 signatures, demanding an end to the manufacture and sale of alcohol here in New Zealand. Since the 1880s, the campaign for Prohibition had developed into a powerful mass movement. During the First World War, its supporters promoted sobriety as a patriotic duty. In 1915 and 16, nearly 160,000 New Zealanders signed a petition calling for hotels to close at 6 o'clock. And in 1917, the government agreed to restrict opening hours uh, to increase the efficiency of the workforce. So that's what it did. You see, if you're not, you would do, you'd be better, wouldn't you? See, if you go to the pub all night and you can't go to work the next morning. In 1918, the position, it, it showed that support for prohibition remained very strong. Early closing hours were now made permanent. That was, you know, six o'clock. And the liquor trade offered little resistance, judging that reduced opening hours had claimed the wider prohibition movement and were preferable to a total ban. So they just sort of like went along with it. Prohibition was only narrowly defeated in a special referendum held in April 1919 after the war, April 10th, and again at a vote held alongside the general election, December 1919. The cause continued to enjoy strong support at the polls in the 1920s. And it was a good thing too. Good thing. My father was born in 1921. My mother was born in 1919. And, um, you know, so they, Dad said it was great. It was a good, good time to be alive. Even though the, the depression was looming, um, it was a great time. Really, he enjoyed his childhood. Very good. All right, well, let's go back. Let's go back to, uh, where are we, Radio New Zealand, and just see if there's anything new. The last story they had. Gosh, it's pouring down where I am, actually. It's just starting to to rain a bit, I'll just pull the old blinds up so I can see what's going on out there see if any cattle have been washed away <laughs> ok um, alright uh, so Kayanga, Kayanga, Kayanga Aura, it's the same it doesn't look like it's changed there they can't really come to work until a bit later I suppose well we can look at New Zealand news can't we we can do that, we'll go to New Zealand news um, what have we got here It'll all be bad news, I suppose, here for New Zealand. Oh, we've got the mosque victim's sister says, Pursuit of Truth, a shared responsibility. A woman whose brother was murdered in the Christchurch mosque terror attacks says the pursuit of truth is not just the responsibility of the affected whānau. Well, they didn't, she didn't say whānau. She said family. But, of course, the Radio New Zealand have to put all these words in because they're told to by the bureaucrats which run the country. Now, it's not their... Uh, they always run it anyway. It doesn't matter who's in power. They do what they're told. These, they've got United Nations people that have been deposited, infiltrated the bureaucracy, you know, like the Justice Department and all the other departments. And uh, so there they are, and they just basically do what they're told. Uh, so I would say that um, I don't think it'll be any different. I think that now that we've got the, the fascist, because he's definitely a fascist, you know, he said that, that uh, people that don't vac- have their children with a you know, childhood vaccine should lose the benefit. 
you know, use, lose their um, child support. And uh, so that's um, Christopher Luxon. He believes that. So does um, uh, so does uh, Winston Peters. We've got um, him saying that people need to be, you know, need to be mandatory. Uh, in fact, when you when, when you think about it, Jacinda Ardern wasn't so bad. When you can when you hear some of the comments coming out of what uh, national people like John Key, former National Party and former um, uh, Prime Minister. He said uh, they needed to be forced to get vaccinated. So did um, um, Winston Peters. He said that. So did Seymour. He was pushing for that. And, of course, Luxon as well. Uh, he was on the morning report. And I think I may even have that handy. I might play it for you a bit later on. Anyway, so we're back here at, uh, what have we got here? Yes. Now, these are just some headings for New Zealand news. And then you've got Fat Freddy's Drop. They've got a story there. Sarah Hunter filmed Fat Freddy's Drop debut uh, European tour on a Handicam 20 years ago and the world was completely different then cigarettes, CDs and nobody was filming concerts from their phones back in the day and then we've got people want to see what their neighbour is doing, what we miss when we miss out on local news local news is a oh gosh. Um, then you've got the man who's been injured in Invercargill, Auckland Marathon oh that's interesting that one there but it was a bit sad because one guy dropped dead, probably been jabbed uh, Auckland Marathon runner has been taken to hospital in a critical condition following a medical event at Victoria Park where the event finished. A St John spokesman, surprised I haven't got a Maori name in there, St John spokesman said two ambulances were called just for the one man. They were called, and what would they do? Take, what would the other one be? <laughs> Victoria Park around 9am to support, I just support, to support the crews who were already present. They transported one person in a critical condition to Auckland Hospital following his medical event. He had a heart attack because he'd been jabbed. Meanwhile, more than 14,000 people have run through the streets across the Auckland Harbour Bridge this year. They never used to do that. Thousands of athletes and amateurs signed up for the Auckland Marathon. Five races they're having. Oh, not just the one race. Used to be 8Ks along Tamaki Drive, but they've changed it, obviously. It's getting a bit too congested. I remember once when I lived on Cowie Road, and I thought, and right down the bottom there, number five, I think it was, and and I thought, oh, this will be fun. I'll be able to watch the, um, I went, I'll be able to watch the, um, the, you know, the run, the, and um, what happened? My car got stolen the night before I was in town with my girlfriend, and um, what happened? Oh, the car got stolen. It was only there for about five minutes. We went back. <laughs> And it had gone, and uh, so yeah, so yeah, I spent the next day sort of like trying to figure out where that had gone. Found it in West Auckland somewhere; it had been trashed. Anyway, so they've got thousands of athletes, but not as many as they did a few years back. I think the top was eighteen thousand; they had fourteen thousand this time. And so this is the fir- first of the five races they had, including hundreds of children as well. The children they they did a two point two kilometre race. It was the kids' marathon, and uh, Auckland Marathon spokesperson Ruth Bowerman, uh, she said it was great to see so many runners out, especially on the day of the World Cup rugby final. She said there's heaps of people watching the rugby here as well. Uh, Organisers had set up screens broadcasting the Rugby World Cup final uh, as the race as at the race's finish in Victoria Park. Uh, she said runners who missed the rugby had a chance to watch replays. Bowerman said 14,000 runners. It was a fantastic number but fell short of the record about 10 years ago close to 18,000 runners registered but that but did they run uh, but that was well before other marathon events were introduced into New Zealand okay she said 62% of the runners were first time runners for the event one participant told the herald it was a huge turnout 
with a good mix of serious and casual runners. Overall, she said it was fun and positive, and uh, there were lots of encouragement from volunteers and locals as we ran. She said there's even a band complete with a trumpet and pots and pans and drums You know, at one of the houses. They used them as the pots and pans as drums. It was a festival, the the thirty uh, second iteration from which organisers opened to raise. They hoped to raise six hundred thousand dollars for charity. Now each athlete, out of course today, they had their reasons for running, and uh, they've all got their own story to tell. She says, but for many running for charity, there was an extra slice of motivation. Genevieve. Clark, she ticked off a major goal of her recovery from bowel cancer while uh, raising thousands of dollars for charity in the process. She said, I feel exhausted, but it was really good. The course was great, and I ran way too fast, of course, and the, the last, it was in the first few kilometres, as you do, she said. The bridge wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be, um, and uh, she said she was just, she just hung. She was just hanging on for the last four kilometres. Uh, for the big challenge. Clark said that it meant a lot to finish the race. She said, I'm also feeling really good about managing to do some good for bowel cancer New Zealand as well. She's, they, she, I think she's got close to $6,000 for the charity, so she said, I'm really pleased. Good honour. Um, runners, the athletes running for the Starship Foundation, they had already raised $150,000 for charity this year. Matthew Farrow, he uh, chose to run for the Starship charity because he, his son had been in the hospital a few times. He said, knowing they run off volunteer donations, any little bit that I can do is really going to help them, isn't it? He said, my race went well. 42 kilometres is really tough, so the last few kilometres were a struggle. But there's lots of support out there on the course, which made it a bit easier to uh, get across the line. A Starship Foundation CEO, Joanna Simon, she said events like the Auckland Marathon were vital for the charity. She said, we couldn't survive these events like this and the amazing or couldn't survive rather without events like this and the amazing people who give up their time and run to raise money and they've got to do a lot of training as well otherwise you'll end up you know doing yourself in she said it's different between uh it's the difference between the transformational projects we can do for the children in our care so it's wonderful so this story of course was originally published by the new zealand herald and there we are we've got radio new zealand they've flogged it and now i'm reading it <laughs> okay, um, oh, have I got any more on that page that you might be interested in? I'd better just go back and see. I'll just do a quick refresh and just see if there's any new stories for New Zealand there. The top stories are the mosque victim sister says pursuit of truth is a shared responsibility. Power cuts as ex-cyclone Lola lashes the upper North Island and it's heading to Auckland. Rugby World Cup, all black fans, dreams shattered after the loss. New Zealand exports team... Uh, uh, is that supposed to be exports or is it esports? It's got esports team heads to global games. What, what's esports? I don't know. I don't know, Grant. Should we have a look and see? Yeah, go on, have a look. So, what is that? It might be a humble beginning sitting on the couch and spending. Hang on, I just want to see what this is about. We've got four or five women there. And uh, so, what's the esports? I don't know anything about that. Esports is defined in New Zealand as a digitally enabled competition. So people think of video games, but it's probably a little bit more than that. It's esports or esports, but that'll be no esport. <laughs> esports Federation um, CEO Jonathan Jansen 
that was what he was telling the detail detail that's some publication i guess or maybe a podcast he says video games is one end of the spectrum of the thing that you think about but someone holding a controller playing a game on the screen uh, but that does it goes goes all the way down to things like sims simulated racing oh okay so that's esports just sort of couch potatoes aren't they just sit there and play games don't get enough vitamin d that sort of thing uh also there's uh, voting has begun for the bird of the century yes so who are you voting for this one's got feathers <laughs> i like the little more pork myself voting for bird of the century run by forest and bird it opens at nine o'clock today the annual bird of the year competition has been renamed to celebrate the conservation group's centennial year voting starts on monday that's today and runs for two weeks in 2021 the competition was won by the infamously uh by the long-tailed bat forest and bird chief executive nicola no- uh, toki she believed that there would be controversy uh, to be had this year too with 77 native birds vying for the title Gosh, I didn't think we had that many birds. Doesn't the kakapo look absolutely fantastic? If you look up close, they've got a picture of it here. Isn't it amazing how God made that, made all these amazing birds? When you zoom in close to them, they just are so beautiful. There's no way that evolved. <laughs> it's just beautifully made. Just unbelievable. Just imagine how hard it would be just to make something like that. It gives you an idea of just how incredible our God is, that he can create these, these uh, creatures wonderful creatures. Now among them she says is the kakapo, which was barred from the competition last year for being too popular. Well it is a pretty bird. It is. She said I'm still suffering the consequences in terms of complaints of kicking the kakapo out of the competition last year. The kakapo lovers among you all will be pleased to know that it's back in. Five species uh, that have become extinct within the last hundred years. The pio pio, the bush wren, the win- the huekau, or laughing owl and the South Island snipe, or and also the huia, they've also been um, been included. I thought they'd been they're extinct. Five species that had become extinct within the last hundred years. So how could they be? How could they be included if they're dead? Get the taxidermists ones out. I suppose just put that out there. Does it have to be alive? She said these birds would provide a poignant reminder for the many bird species that are still endangered, given that 82% of New Zealand bird species still are still threatened with extinction. This is an ad for 1080. I can, I can, I can sense it coming. Uh, we want to remind people that their survival is still very much at stake. Toki, that's her name there, she says that the, um, the dates for this year's competition were shifted due to the general election. She said we're hoping that there would uh, there seemed to be the sort of what is it? She said we're hoping that there where there would be a sort of a general malaise around the nature of the last type of election. We're just we've just had the one that should provide a lot more fun and entertainment, information and education. So that's you can vote for your favourite bird. Uh, but 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 I think this is just an ad because they're just sort of priming you up so they can use a 1080. But in actual fact, the birds get killed by 1080. It's a terrible thing, and uh, it's all about um, taking the uh, a, a food source away from New Zealanders. That's what it is from hunters who provide food for their families, and uh, so they want, they've got to get rid of that because they want you going to the supermarket 
with your mark of the beast on your right hand or in your forehead so that you can buy or sell. Revelation 13, it's pretty clear. We won't make a liar out of God. It's going to happen. So you better make sure you've got your Bible verses all sorted out. You better get right with your Creator because it's very close to happening. My advice is to is to repent and call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, why would you call upon Him and not Allah or Buddha or um or Muhammad or any of those well they're all dead and buried and they didn't rise from the dead their bones are where they were buried Jesus Christ rose from the dead conquering death because he came here to this earth as a man he laid down his life for you and me because we couldn't keep those ten commandments that God has given us to show us that we've 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 below the standard the standard and God is a, a righteous judge so he couldn't let us off he doesn't he can't just forgive us so someone had to pay the ransom. Someone had to pay the penalty for us. So what did he do? He came himself in the form of his son. And he laid down his life 2,000 years ago, once and for all, to save us from what? From our sins. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved. And you know what it says? Neither is there salvation to be saved. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby ye must, me, ye is plural for you, ye must be saved. You must be saved if you don't call out to him and beg forgiveness for breaking his laws. They're his laws. And when you break laws, you expect a judge to punish laws. You don't expect him to let you off. So what happened was God paid the price for you. He paid your penalty so that you didn't have to. All you've got to do is believe that he did that for you. It says the just shall live by faith. You don't have to do anything. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to be baptized. The thief on the cross, he didn't get baptized. And yet Jesus said, Today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Didn't he? Because he knew he was dying. The other one mocked Jesus. The other, the, and this one said, Will you remember me? Lord, will you remember me when you go into your kingdom? And Jesus said today, Thou shalt be with me in paradise. Words to that effect. Paraf- paraphrased by Grant Edwards. Okay, it's 14 minutes to 7. So get your Bible verses right. Otherwise you're going to be up the creek without a paddle. And uh, you're, you're going to miss out, aren't you? And you'll have to, um, let's hope Let's hope it's a pre-tribulation rapture. And if you want to know about the rapture, you go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 or 1 Corinthians chapter 15. It's there. And all these Bible-doubting people, uh, they try and make out that it's not true, it's not real. You know, it's a Latin word. Rapture it just means caught up. And we're going to be caught up, the Bible says, to meet the Lord in the air. And uh, the people that have died, the Christians that have died before us, they're going to rise out of the sea and, the, and their graves and, and, you know, the graveyard. And then they might come in and, you know, come to your house, you know. Oh, mum, dad, come in, tea, coffee or Milo. And they, they could be with us for 40 days before we go up with them. The Bible says that, that uh, the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we, which are alive and remain, shall be changed. And our bodies will be changed into immortal bodies that can't, that live forever. Immortality, that's what we'll get. And then the Bible says that we'll be caught up together with those people that had been changed, uh, that, that had been risen from the dead. We'll be changed while we're living. And then we'll be caught up together with them in the clouds, which is the same way Jesus left, in the cloud, to meet the Lord Jesus Christ in the air. And then we go to be with him. We go to the judgment seat. 
and then we go to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And while that's happening, here on earth is going to be a seven-year tribulation period. It might be three and a half. It might go halfway through the tribulation. But the Antichrist is going to be ruling. All the Christians will be gone. So it'll be hell on earth. In fact, it's so bad that Jesus said, except those days be cut short, no flesh would be saved. And we can see it's happening. It's starting to happen. So you've got to learn the parable of the fig tree. When you see its leaves starting to ripen, you know that the end is near. You can tell by the seasons it's getting close. Wars and rumors of wars, Jesus said. There will be earthquakes in diverse places, like off the beaten track, you know, off the, um, the where they normally get uh, earthquakes. We're going to have earthquakes. We are having them now. And it's like a, a woman in, you know, like, um, in childbirth. She's... Um, her birth pangs get closer and closer together and that's what we've got happening and uh, you know we've got all these things happening like COVID and all the other stuff and it's all just designed to keep you in fear it's all designed by the enemy but God has a plan for you if you repent that means just to be sorry for your sins to turn away from them and and forsake them and trust Jesus Christ trust what that he came to earth as a man laid down his life for you and for me and then he rose again three days later according to scripture you've got to believe that by faith that he died for you and even if I took you in a time machine and I said look there he is up there that's Jesus he's dying for you you'd, you'd still need faith to believe it so even even if you said oh if I was back there but you probably wouldn't most people didn't few there be that find it Narrow is the way which leads to life, and broad is the way. It's like a big, broad highway, and most people are on that highway to hell. But you don't have to be. You can get off it just by, in your own way, just wherever you are, you can just call out to God. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, that's the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, saved from hell. Because that's where God's sending people, He's got a rubbish dump. That's where he sends you if you disobey, if you reject his son coming to earth and laying down his life for you. Imagine if uh, you had a son and uh, and a boy up the road, some people up the road, they had a son who had sort of a blood disorder. And uh, your son just so happened to have the right um, group, blood group. And uh, this boy was going to die if he didn't get this this, this blood group. And you offered your son's blood to save this boy. And he lived, and your son died. And yet, and then years later, they just sort of mocked you. They didn't even believe that, that the, the blood that your son had given this boy in the transfusion was even good enough to save him. They didn't care. That's what it's like for God, that people don't believe the great sacrifice that he gave by coming to earth in human form. God himself, as a man, the Son of God, is God, all the way through the Bible. Don't let the cults tell you he's not God. Don't believe that. Don't believe their corrupt versions. Get a King James Bible and read it for yourself. Don't listen to what these people tell you. They're what we call sheep stealers. Most of those cults, you know, like the Seventh-day Adventists and the Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons, the Latter-day Saints, that sort of thing, they basically, in the Roman Catholic Church, they're basically sheep stealers. So when you become a Christian... You become like a like a, a little little lamb, and, and the shepherd is your is your um, is Jesus Christ. He's the shepherd, the good shepherd. And what these people do, they come along and they actually steal sheep, and they lead you away from the from the truth of the gospel, the simple truth that even a child could follow. That for God so loved the world, that's you, that He gave His only begotten Son, that's Jesus. 
that whosoever, that's us, believeth in him, Jesus, should not perish in hell, but have everlasting life in heaven with God and all the other Christians. Some of you say, oh, I don't want to be with other Christians. Well, it's just too bad. The reason why you don't like them is because the Bible tells us because you're a child of disobedience. You've got a spirit in you that's a, a disobedient. The Bible says, you, ye are of your father, the devil. So now that you've, when you are born, you're born a child of God. And then when you get to an age where you're just sinning willfully, you become a child of Satan, a child of the, of the devil. He's the father of lies, and you are his child. You belong to him, and you have to, God has to buy you back. He has to ransom you, and he's done that. 2,000 years ago, he paid that ransom. Now, all you've got to do is receive it by believing that he did that for you. That's the gospel. It's so simple. Nothing else you need to do. No baptism. That's a church ordinance. You, you, you would do that, but it's not. You don't have to to become a Christian. You become a Christian. You worship God in spirit. You just call out to him. You say, I, I, you just would say whatever you like, but you just have, basically you just have to believe that he died and that he rose again three days later according to Scripture, and he did it for you. And if you believe that, the Bible says you'll be saved. These things that are right unto you that believe in the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. I think it's First John 5, 11 and 12. It's the assurance of the assurance that the, uh, the assurance that the Christian has when because he can trust the word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and we can trust it. We can't trust what others tell us the Bible says, but we can trust what that book says. So don't take my word for it. Go and start in the, in the Bible. Open it up in the New Testament, because we're living in New Testament times. Open it up and start reading from, say, the book of John. Matthew has the, linear, the, the genealogy of Jesus. He is, um, he's a direct descendant from Adam. Well, we all are, aren't we? But um, Noah and all the way down through there. And some people say, oh, look, there's a mistake in the Bible. See, one says that the, the genealogy is different from the other one. So it's, it's obviously a mistake. They think it's a mistake. But of course, if they if they were identical in both um, both the two gospels there, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, not sure, not John, but Matthew, Mark, or Luke, one of them, uh, if they were this, if they were identical, that means that Joseph and Mary would have been brother and sister. But no, they weren't. And Joseph wasn't Jesus's father, was he? No, God was the father. He supplied the blood, and Jesus Christ was his blood was so pure and so powerful and so. Um, precious that it was able to wash away all of our sins if we believe he died for us he says he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness that is something you can trust it's in the bible i'm just quoting you what the bible says that's all i am doing yep that's it that's what i'm doing now i've got to find something nice nice to play who have i got here we won't play. We won't play. Um, there's a look, there's a trillion dollar project. I might play a little country song. How about that? Just before the news coming up. What about um, Kelsey Ballerini? Why don't we play her? Let's give her a swirl. Let's give her a whirl. It's four minutes to, and uh, yes, uh, we'll come back and we'll have the news from TNT Radio at seven o'clock.
on my back Him waiting on me in the morning with my coffee black come up so quickly but there it is okay we've got um, TNT Radio News coming up how long is that away oh just a minute or so so we'll be there in a moment why would the marketplace pay someone only five dollars an hour very simple answer they're not very valuable to the marketplace now we must underline to the marketplace this person might be a very valuable brother yes member of the family valuable yes Valuable member of the church, of course. Valuable citizen of the country, yes. Valuable in the sight of God, no doubt. We're all of equal value in the sight of God. But if you're not very valuable to the marketplace, you don't get much money. You say, well, it shouldn't be that way. Well, then you've got to start your own country. You know, this one's been in process for 200 years, and this is the best we've been able to come up with so far. You have to get to a place where you have $5 million in the bank. Because you can survive the rest of your life, no matter what happens, and your family. You can take care of a lot of people making 6 or 7% of $5 million. When you make that, you have to set that aside and you don't risk it. Then after that, you can start to take risk capital and put it to work. To hear a replay of this hour, go to episodes at TNTradio.live. Now, TNT Radio News. Taking a look back at some of the news that shaped the past week, I'm Matt Boyland. Despite previously voicing his opposition to sending any further money to Ukraine, the new Speaker of the US House of Representatives appears to have changed his position. Mike Johnson telling reporters on Thursday that he now supports approving additional funding for Kyiv, but only if he knows where it's going and how it's being spent. Mr Speaker, do you support additional aid to Ukraine? We all do. There, there's... Uh we're going to have conditions on that, so we're working through it. What kind of conditions? What kind of conditions? We want accountability, and, and, uh, and, and we want objectives that are clear from the White House. But we're going to have those discussions. They're going to be very productive. Meanwhile, speaking with Fox News' Sean Hannity in an interview later on Thursday night, the newly elected speaker said Americans were losing faith in the U.S. Justice Department. Do you believe that Joe Biden's Department of Justice, do you believe our FBI has been politicized? Do you believe it's been weaponized? Do we have a dual justice system? Absolutely, we have a two-tiered system of justice, and that erodes the people's faith in our system of justice itself. And this is what I reminded Merrick Garland when he was in front of us, the Attorney General, Christopher Wray at the FBI. The greatest threat here is not these individual issues, it's that the people are losing their faith in our system of justice. And Sean, you cannot maintain a constitutional republic, a government of, by, and for the people if the people doubt that the system is fair you know if they believe there's two tiers of justice then the system doesn't work at all and so I think Garland's been a great threat I think he's the worst attorney general in the history of the United States also making news this week Australia announced it will start shooting wild horses from helicopters as it moves to cull the animal in one of the nation's largest national parks nearly 20,000 wild horses call the Kosciuszko National Park home in New South Wales but state authorities want to reduce that number 
to 3,000. The National Park already traps, rehomes and shoots horses from the ground. But the state's Environment Minister Penny Sharp says that's not enough. She says the state must start culling wild horses from the air if it wants to protect the National Park's fragile ecosystem. The impact of the, of the horses on the park is endangering other native species. It's impacting severely on the soil and the waterways. There are going to be horses always in the park, but there's too many, and the current, the current methods that we have for reducing the numbers are just not getting us there. And the world is bracing for what's to come next in the Middle East after the United States conducted a series of airstrikes in Syria, targeting what it claims to be sites used by Iran and its associated militias. Washington says the precision strikes were in response to ongoing attacks against US bases and personnel in the region and says they were intended to protect and defend the more than 3,000 US troops who were based in Iraq and Syria. The Pentagon vowing further strikes if attacks against US troops in the region continue. TNT's Patrick Henry Lost him. He's gone. Four minutes past. Where's Patrick? I didn't cut him off. I don't like him anyway. <laughs> I've got to have a quick cough just a minute. I choked on my tea. It's four minutes past seven and uh, we'll go straight to the weather in just a moment. While Justin Trudeau makes a compelling case study, he is not the only dictator on the rise. Under the new rules provided by the COVID-19 emergency, many other elected leaders were empowered to show their true colours. Interesting how they all marched in perfect lockstep while chanting the same slogans. This pandemic has provided an opportunity. We are now with an economy in crisis, but with an incredible opportunity. It's certainly a major crisis, but it also offers us a unique opportunity. Unprecedented opportunity to rethink and reset. The great opportunity for reset. Opportunity for us to reset. For a reset. It's almost as if they all attended the same school of thought and studied under the same professor. Some people would say this revolution is characterized by the fight of robots against human beings. And we will win this fight. In this fight. All right, it is five minutes past seven, five past seven. Looking at the extreme temperatures, first of all, Kaitaia Airport 6.6 degrees, Twizel 0.7 degrees. Getting a bit chilly down on Twizel, isn't it? Uh, Auckland is the windiest, but uh, they say 65 kilometres per hour in North Shore. Well, well, that might be the case when I look at my little windy, which is very accurate. I'm looking at uh, the wind is uh, 38 knots so I suppose it's not too far off and it's gusting right now in uh, in Auckland uh, and the, um, the Harriki Golf actually it's always windier out there isn't it 56 knots that's fair up there that's over 60 miles an hour that's 100 kilometres per hour so it's really blowing in the Hariki Golf um, okay let's get back to the weather then so the wettest place is in Witianga and it's uh, 6.4 millimetres of rain there. Let's look at the short forecast. Firstly, for Northland, Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula, uh, periods of rain today. Did I say everything? Yes, Auckland, North, yes, Northland, Auckland, and Coromandel. 
Uh, rain, rain, periods of rain with some heavy falls and possible thunderstorms later on today. Severe gale force easterlies in exposed places this morning. For Waikato, Waitomo, Bay of Plenty and the central high country, periods of rain possibly very heavy for you. For Gisborne and Hawke's Bay, rain heavy at times. Taranaki and Tomadanui to Wellington also, that's Taramanui for those of you that wasn't sure what I said. Uh, also for the Wairarapa and Marlborough and also Nelson as well. Cloud increasing and rain spreading south reaching Wellington and it will go all through, all the way through to Marlborough, Nelson by late afternoon and this evening. For Canterbury, Otago, also Buller and Westland, mainly fine, but becoming cloudy among uh, along the uh, Canterbury and Otago coast this evening. For Fiordland and Southland, for Fiordland, fine, fine, apart from morning cloud. Chathams, you've just got fine spells. You don't want any putting spells on you. Do you? It's seven minutes past seven, and uh, we won't bother with the extended forecast. But back in a minute, and we'll have a gander at uh, some other news, and then that'll be it for me. I better go and do some. I don't know. It's raining. I might not. I could stay on a bit longer if you like. It's up to you. Hey, this is interesting. This is some um, seventy years of guitar, of you know how it's changed. Very interesting. It just it's a one minute clip. Have a listen. I love it. This is how they played guitar in the fifties. In the 60s. In the 70s. In the 80s. In the 90s. In the 2000s. In the 2010s. This is as far as you got. It was the just past the noughties to the tennies. And that was it. Anyway, never mind. Seven past seven and uh, eight, almost eight. Okay, let's go over to the centrist. Now, uh, sorry, not the centrist. NZNewsEssentials.com, you'll find them. NZ News Essentials. Calls for the COVID Royal Commission of Inquiry to expand its scope. Now, how about testing the safe and effective vaccine sales pitch now that the government has all the data? Let's look, move in on that story. And we'll just, they're wonderful people over there at the centrist. Uh, not the centrist. Well, it's the same people, I think. Oh, could be wrong. Uh, at the um, NZ News Essentials because they do a nice little brief for you. So if you don't like reading the whole thing, you can basically... I should really read it all because it is quite interesting. Maybe I will. Let's do that. Okay. Uh, possible links between COVID vaccines. Now, we won't be able to go on YouTube now. <laughs> now I've said that. <laughs> Increasing excess deaths and adverse effects makes the scope of the New Zealand's the New Zealand's Royal Commission of Inquiry into the government COVID response seem too narrow. Rising suspicions triggered by rising death rates. In the UK, MP Andrew Bridgeton, he just delivered a landmark speech to Parliament calling for a cohesive debate into the country's rising number of excess deaths. He cites dodgy officials, uh, official dealings and a myriad of worldwide data, including from New Zealand, showing a steep, a stepwise, he calls it, stepwise increase in the, in the number of excess deaths, especially among younger people since the COVID vaccination, so-called vaccination rollout. This is what he says. We need to ask what people are dying of since 2022. 
Uh, NZ News Essentials has written on the excess deaths here and here. They've got some links in there if you go over to nznewsessentials.com. Here, here and here. Here, here. I'll drink to that. Um, <laughs> New Zealand. Oh, I, should, I shouldn't be laughing because I was just thinking of actually prohibition when I said I'll drink to that. You know, in the 19... Um, what was it? When, when did they? Say, when did it happen? Was it two, 1912 or something? I think they did, didn't they? They, they voted on prohibition and it stayed there until 1919. And I'll drink to that. Anyway, so it's nothing to do with laughing at, at the excess death. New Zealand doctors speaking out with science. Now, not the ones at .nz, .co.nz. Don't go there because that's just a that's just a mock um, a mock website uh, to try and spread disinformation. That's purpose information that's spread on purpose. New Zealand doctors speaking out with science are speaking the truth. They're nzdsos.com. Make sure you go there, not the other one. Clever, aren't they? They, you know, are not the NZ doctor speaking out with science, but these other these other halfwits that are trying to um, to to fool you, uh, and uh, because the show is up, then they're all going to be brought to justice sooner or later, and uh, people are still pushing for it. You know why? You know why that people like um, the organisations like Stuff and all the other fake stream media, they're still going on and calling us. Um, what are they calling us? Uh, vaccine? What are they calling? Misinformationists? How would they know? They don't know. <laughs> they would never clue. How, who are they to just decide what's misinformation and what isn't? It's because they're told to. Because if they don't say that, they have to pay the money back. And I know that because people that have come out of broadcasting have told me they lose the money. This I think it's 60-something million dollars. It was 55 in the first round, round figures. And then there's a whole lot more being paid out. This was the um, the journalism fund. And all it was was just, um, it's just uh, feeding them with finance so that they would do what they were told, that the communist globalists told them they would do what they told them to do. And, um, of course, we know that... Um, that happened, and plus all that money, all that revenue coming in, pushing the vaccine, so-called fake virus vaccine, pushing that on us. They got paid millions of dollars, hundreds of millions of dollars into these, um, into this uh, fake stream media. All right, thirteen minutes past seven, and we're carrying on here with New Zealand doctors speaking out with silence. And uh, they've also been ringing the alarm. In an open letter to health officials, they address many of the same issues Bridgeton does. Uh, besides excess deaths, they include uh, concerns about the possible generic contamination of the vaccines, heart damage, which is absolutely right because a friend of mine, his cardiologist, said, I've got it. we've had an influx of young people, which you never get, with coming to see me with um, pericarditis and myocarditis. And he's just making a fortune. And he pretends that he can't say anything uh, because he's got people that need him. He can't afford to lose his license. He's got people that need him to keep them alive, which I think is BS. I think he's just, he loves the income. And it's all, and people that have got the, um, uh, all the, you know, people dying all over the country. And uh, so those mortuary, what do you call them? The, the dead centers. You go, you go, the undertakers, they're, a lot of them aren't saying anything except for the honest ones. But um, they're not not saying anything because they're making a fortune. They're going on trips all over the world. And, you know, it's just marvellous. It's just very busy with people dropping dead all the time. They they are uh, really uh, just making a packet. And they're not going to say anything because they'll wreck their income. So they like the idea. They're dying to meet you. They are. And you'll end up, um, yes. Okay. Now, Bridgeton, in his speech, NZDSOS, 
Like Bridgen, the NZDOS has received virtually no attention from the mainstream media, no, because they're not allowed to. There are but a few examples of increasing numbers of people worldwide with questions regarding the oft-repeated safe and effective narrative around COVID-19 vaccinations. The New Zealand Royal Commission of Inquiry... (sighs) That was better. uh, ...into the government COVID response, not fit for purpose... That's the heading here. New Zealand's Royal Commission of Inquiry into the government's COVID response is a three-person panel. Is that all? Which includes prom, uh, proponents of that response. <laughs> Due to wrap it up in June 2024, the safety and effic- efficacy of COVID vaccines is, has not been examined. Neither is that is what the government did to determine the efficacy at the time it was touting it nor is it proposed to examine the government's actions in controlling any contrary voices. Also, what did the government tell the other political parties compared to what it knew? Considering rising excess deaths, reports of adverse effects and questionable decisions by officials, the inquiry's limited scope does not appear to be fit for purpose. Forward-looking approach. According to the terms of reference of the Royal Commission, uh, has a forward-looking approach, quote-unquote, according to the Commission, rather than looking to find fault or assume blame, oh, you bastards, we are focusing on capturing the lessons learned from the pandemic so that Aotearoa, well, I bet you they didn't say that. Well, they did quote them. Don't you call this place Aotearoa when it's not? You've never had a referendum. It's New Zealand, and it was made up by, um, not by the Maoris. That's not a Maori term. That's a European term. It's a mythical European term that was invented and pushed by the education department and other leftists and, uh, you know, probably globalists. I don't know. But globalism is real. It's been going on for a long time. They used to call it Politicians for Global Action back in the 70s and 80s. They've got all different sorts of names now. And then it was called the New World Order. And then now it's called the World Economic Forum, the, the WIF. It's the same old pig with new lipstick. Anyway... Here they say, rather than looking to find fault, to assume blame, we are focused on capturing the lessons, this is the commission, learned from the pandemic, so-called, I call it a pandemic, so does lots of other people that are wide awake, so that New Zealand is prepared for the future. This means there won't be any public hearings before commissioners. For example, instead, we'll be holding a wide range of meetings and interviews with individuals, organisations and communities of interest in order to in all closed doors so we don't know what's going on in order to gather the information and evidence to help inform our deliberations uh, significant portions of the commission's findings must be kept private and confidential quote unquote as we reported in may why aren't you there for us didn't we elect you why is it going to be kept private don't, don't we pay for you you know these judges who pays their wages we do we pay for it as we reported in May, this is NZ News Essentials, uh, this is last year, uh, you know, May, just back in May, a few months ago, the inquiry seems designed to applaud the message, messages, uh, the measures used. As we also predicted in January 2020, the inquiry has galvanised voters behind parties prepared to expand the inquiry's scope. New Zealand First in Act, New Zealand First has soared above 5%. Well, this is, what, how could it be? This, when did this written? This was a new one, wasn't it? 25th, that's a few days ago. Why do they... We knew that. Oh, okay. Let's get back to that. New Zealand First. What do they say here? What's the time? 18 minutes past 7. Okay, New Zealand First has soared above 5% threshold of votes needed to enter Parliament. At least 
partly thanks to soaking up the support of people left angry and disaffected by the COVID response. According to journalist Thomas Coughlin, uh, they reportedly they're reportedly looking for a second and more comprehensive COVID inquiry in, um, in possible coalition arrangement with talks with, that's with talks with National. Previously on the campaign trail, Peters had said compensation should be paid to those proven injured by COVID vaccines. Why should we be paying for our own injuries? And, you know, why should we be? Why isn't Pfizer and Moderna? Why don't they, aren't they held accountable? Well, you know why. Because they've got indemnity, haven't they? So you're just going to get the money off us. So we have to pay for our own vaccine injuries. Just think about that, folks. ACT has pledged to kick off a full investigation into Labour's response in its first 100 days. We'll see. Uh, Under Labour, the only illumination we get comes from gaslighting, said ACT leader David Seymour in addressing Labour's approach to the inquiry. Well, I think think that the the NZ News Essentials seem to be sucking up to... uh, National and uh, and Labour, not Labour, uh, National and Act and New Zealand First, don't they? They were just sort of pushing anything. I think they were just to try and get the Labour Party out. But you will find in newsessentials.com, you will find that the new ones are going to be even worse than the last ones you had. And uh, I'll tell you why. I'll see if I can find it right now. Let me just go over here. Let me just play something else from Pearl. She's wonderful. And uh, although she's in a bit of hot water at the moment with some anti-Semitic song, but I don't think it was. She said it wasn't meant that way. They took it all wrong just to get her into trouble. They hate her. They hate her because she's warring against the feminists. They can't stand her. 20 past seven. Women leave. Women divorce men 70 to 80 percent of the time. I, I would argue in relationships it's probably similar. Men aren't leaving. Women are. So to a guy's point of view, he's going to commit to this girl. And what does he get? He doesn't get purity anymore. You know these these hoes. You know he doesn't he doesn't get youth anymore. So he doesn't get either of those things. A lot of times she already has a kid. So so he he's not fulfilling his mating strategy. On top of that, even if he does find a good woman that maybe has the qualities he's looking for, he, she was going to want him to marry her. And what does he get out of that? Oh, she can leave and take half and take my kid. And she's paid to take my kids away from me. She she gets more money if she takes my children. And so from the men's point of view, they're just kind of like f it because like women aren't wives nowadays and what do they get out of it but like you know, men, men are logical sorry. they're logical people and so they're they're thinking does the benefit outweigh the cost and like i just think as women we have to look at ourselves and say the benefits we bring nowadays don't outweigh the cost for most men why should your right to freedom of speech hang on love hang on get back there we'll talk about you in a minute she's another feminist now here he is. This is Winnie. This is with him. So he's he's a pro jabber. He said people should be vaccinated. Uh, uh, yep, he does. And then I'll find you another one just to let you know what we've got here, what we've actually let into power. For all those who don't have themselves and their children vaccinated with every vaccine on the official schedule, this is a policy that could accurately be then called a no jab, no income at all policy. Here's Chris Luxon on the Morning Report saying just that. Do you support cutting benefits to solo parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, if we're talking about it? Should that it's be extended? Should it, should it be extended to cutting working for families benefits? It, it, 
yeah, it should. Yeah, it should. should. Yeah, that's uh, that's your new prime minister, New Zealand, Christopher Luxon. He thinks that you should lose your benefit unless you have these toxic childhood vaccines pumped into your kids. You know, Steve Kirsch, K I R S C H, over at Kirsch. Substack.com. You want to get over there and give him your email address and you can get all the latest data. He's got about 230 plus, 230,000 plus subscribers. He sent out a survey and uh, it was all about just sort of asking questions about health and that for the kids. And it all came back about 10,000 of that 230,000 plus of his uh, subscribers uh, said that that their children have never had a single childhood vaccine and nor had the mother. So not one childhood vaccine had been put into this, these um, people. They're older now, and nor had the mother. And you know, out of that 10,000, over 10,000, not one of them has a chronic disease, not developed. They have no neurological disorders, disorders, and they have no allergies. Out of the 10,000, never had a vaccine, nor has the mother. And so there you go. That's the proof there. Just you could you could call it anecdotal, but really, uh, why why hasn't why hasn't a government um, medical organisation like the CDC or here in New Zealand MedSafe uh, why haven't they done the research? It's never been done. In America, Steve Kirsch said they wanted to, they were going to, but they never did. Twenty years later, still hasn't been done. You know why? Because they know that the childhood so-called vaccines poison children. They poison you. And you, you die, some of them die earlier, and then some of them die a little bit later. And But you, whatever it is you have, it actually ruins your chances of staying healthy. And so what's happened? Well, the pharmaceutical industry has created a, a, a client for life, a customer, to buy their drugs off them because you're going to come up with all these ailments and you're going to keep going back. You're not going to get any better. You're just going to keep getting pills, and those pills and medicines uh, are going to and vaccines are going to cause other side effects and then you're going to have to go back and they say oh you've developed something else but really all along it started with your childhood vaccines which got you on the treadmill in the pharmaceutical industry and that's why ladies and gentlemen the the Greek word pharmakia is translated in the King James Bible look it up in the Strong's Concordance sorcery and that's exactly what it is don't vaccinate your kids why would you do that? Why, why would you do that to a beautiful little little child that's perfectly made? doesn't need vaccines. I'll tell you why you do it. Because of fear. Fear of the virus. The unknown virus that could come and attack you. Fear of germs. Once you free yourself from that paradigm, which is a lie. It's a lie from our, from, not our father. It's a lie from the God of this world. Jesus called, that's what Satan's called. He is the God of this world. Why? Because... Adam lost the keys to the kingdom when he sinned against God. He wasn't deceived. Eve was deceived. But Adam sinned against God. He followed his wife. Don't listen to your wife. Listen to God. God knows better than the wife. (laughs) And she's supposed to do what she's told. That's the problem. You ask Pearl. She'll tell you. Yep. Shitty wives, she says. 80% are the ones that leave the husband. They're the ones. They think the grass is greener. They think they can just leave you in a pile of dust, leave you, take your house, take take all you know everything you've worked hard for, take the kids, which you would never leave, you would never leave them. But but they they chuck you out now. They've got the the government enables them to. 
they even pay her to take your kids and your house and everything that's inside it and leave you with a shirt on your back. That's why men today don't want to get married because they don't want to go and be and face family courts which are against man. They want to destroy the family because it's a communist globalist infiltration in all these departments and even in, even in the, uh, the family courts. They do not like what God has designed where the man is the head of the wife and God is the head of man. Man is the head of the wife and the together, they work together, it's duty. It's nothing about love. Love comes and goes, doesn't it? Of course it does. Love comes and goes. It's about duty and you stay there. Why? Even though things aren't great, they come right. I've seen it happen so many times because divorce is not an option. You're there for the children and you'll never leave them. And they'll love you for it. And when they come and say to you, oh, it's better that they, you know, you're separated and you know, the children don't want to hear you arguing, rubbish. The children would rather be with two parents bickering, bickering than, than to be separated, to destroy their little life that they didn't ask for. They didn't ask to even be born. And yet you have have no duty. You decided to break up your family because you thought the grass was greener. You thought you could just jump ship. And then what you've done is you've destroyed your children's life. They could have had a wonderful life with mum and dad. Even if they were arguing, it wouldn't matter. And usually, if you stick with it, it's just like being on a ship in a storm. Eventually, if you stay with the ship, you'll be safe. Stay with the boat. So many yachts have been found floating, bobbing, and people jump ship, hop into a life raft, climb down into a life raft, and the, and the, and the yacht's found safe, fine, bobbing along in the water, calm waters, and they're lost because they jumped ship. They left the ship and got out of it. So you've got to stay with it. And you've got to look at marriage like that. It's just like being in a storm, being in a gale. Eventually, you'll pass through it, and things will come right, and you'll be stronger if you stay together for the children's sake. It's about duty, not about love. Love comes and goes. You'll, you'll, you know, people say, oh, I'm in love with her. Oh, she's amazing. Well, you'll get over it. <laughs> love does not hold you together. And your idea of love is totally confused. Love is when you lay down your life for a friend. That is love. When you would lay down your life for your wife, that's love. And that's what the Bible says, when you lay down your life for a friend. So you've got this funny idea. You're confusing love with lust. And so, you know, there you go. There you have it. Okay, let's have a listen to this other feminist. Why should your right to freedom of speech trump a trans person's right not to be offended? Because in order to be able to think, you have to risk being offensive. I mean, look at the conversation we're having right now. You know, like you're certainly willing to risk offending me in the pursuit of truth. Why should you have the right to do that? It's been rather uncomfortable. Well, I'm, I'm very glad I put you on the spot. <laughs> but but you get my point. It's like you're, you're doing what you should do, which is digging a bit to see what the hell's going on. So and that you, is what you should do. But you're exercising you your freedom of speech to certainly risk offending me. And that's fine. I think more power to you as far as I'm concerned. You haven't sat there and... I'm just trying, I'm just trying to work that out. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> ha, gotcha. You have got me. You have got me. I'm trying to work that through my head. Yeah, yeah. It took a while. It took a while. It did. It, it did. Yeah. It took a while. Yeah. You're not very you bright. Have voluntary, you have voluntarily. 
Gone through what? Okay, that's it. I cut it off. I don't know why. Okay, we're back at nznewsessentials.com. Understanding New Zealand's alarming suicide rates. Well, if you ask me, if you teach kids that they came from nothing, that they're, um, you know, their they're great, 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 great granddaddy's a rock or, or a monkey, uh, they're not going to have much to live for, aren't they? Are they? But if, if you teach them that they were wonderfully made, they're created, they're created and uh, they are a, a child of God when they're born, they're little babies. Jesus said, suffer little children to come unto me for theirs is, present tense, theirs is the kingdom of God. And then when they grow older, they start to disobey, don't they? They start to break God's laws. And when they break those laws willingly when they're older, they become enemies of God. They're no longer his children and they become the children of the of the of the they become children of disobedience and they have to be brought back and the only way you can bring them back is for them to believe the the uh, the savior to believe that 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 he has paid the ransom to to win them back to where they were when they were born they were born perfect the bible says that the new testament the the uh, old testament as well the um the new version say no they say no that that uh, David talked about David when he was in the womb that he was evil, that he was um, sort of uh, a sinner from conception, which is completely wrong. The King James Bible was talking about the mother. There was something about the the um, the way he was shaped in iniquity. It's not referring the the um, the context of that verse. I think it's uh, somewhere at Psalms fifty five or something five or something like that. Um, basically, it's. Um, David's not responsible for his sins. How could a baby... See, people laugh at Christians. They say they're born sinners. That's a stupid thing to say, but they learn that from the new versions. And Christians go around... Non-Christian people just think you're a half-wit. They just think there's something wrong with you, just a, a fruit loop, you know, a nut bar, when you, when you say that this innocent little baby has, is born a sinner. And you get that from the teaching of the corrupt Bible versions, the NIV and all the other Alexandrian false texts, which if I was a devil, I'd be writing. <laughs> I'd, be, I'd be getting wicked men to put them into the system. Why? Just to confuse you. Because I, don't, I want you to come to hell with me. If I was the devil, that's what he's like. Put your evil cap on for a minute. He knows he's going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And he wants you to be with them. But God's got other plans, and that's why he has given us his perfect word. He said, I'll preserve my words for eternity. Jesus said, who is the word of God, he said, my words, they are spirit and they are life. That's what he said. He said, thy word is truth. Now, you say, oh, he didn't say that in John seventeen seventeen. John wrote that. Yes, but Jesus is the author. John wrote it, but Jesus Christ is the author. How do we know that? Because we know that the Father and the Son are one. And Jesus said in the beginning, I am, didn't he? In John 8, which is what God said to Moses in the burning bush in Exodus 3. He was saying that he is the creator of heaven and earth. God himself the son of, became the Son of God. He is the Son of God. It's three in one. It's lots of, there's lots of things on earth that God has given us as examples of three in one. An egg, yolk, and a white, the shell as well three-leaf clover, time, space, and matter, if you believe in the globe earth, <laughs> time, space, and matter, but there's lots of things, I can't think of anything else at the moment, but there is lots, so you just have to accept it, don't you, that the Trinity, or the Godhead, is true, and just because the Catholics believe in the Trinity, doesn't mean to say that it's not true, okay, you've got to eat the meat and spit out the bones, that's one thing they are good at, and uh, so yep, there it is, And uh, but one of the things they have left out is um, Acts chapter 8 verse 37 I think or Acts 8 Acts, Acts 8 37 yes that verse has been pulled out of the Catholic text
Now, why would that be? Well, it says um, that you have to be baptized. Yes, you have to be baptized. That's your your salvation comes through baptism, which is what the Catholics believe, isn't it? But in the King James Bible, it doesn't say that. Verse 37 is there. Or verse thirty-eight, somewhere there, and it basically the eunuchs on there, on there with Philip on the on the chariot, riding along. He's reading from the book of Isaiah, and uh, so uh, Philip, um, the Lord puts him there on the chariot, uh, or just right next to this um, this treasure of Queen Candace. He's a eunuch. He's got no testicles uh, because I suppose they don't want him. Uh, well, I suppose he just kick, you know, <laughs> takes the takes the trouble out of it, takes the worry out of it for the queen and um, all the women as well. So he's allowed to wander around freely without uh, without them worrying about him uh, doing something naughty. Anyway, so he was reading from the book of Isaiah. So this is just after the Passover. And so because lots of people, lots of Jews and people came into Jerusalem at the time of the Passover to celebrate the Passover. And uh, this was after Jesus died and Philip was there and the eunuch said, um, Philip said to him, what are you doing there? What are you reading? You know what you're reading, that sort of thing, you know. And the eunuch said, well, how could I except someone explain it? So Philip hopped up on the chariot with him and they rode along. Imagine what that would be like riding along. And, and Philip explained, he preached Christ to him. He explained what Isaiah 53 was all about that it's about Jesus, that he came as a lamb to the slaughter, that he laid down his life for us. That's prophesied 700 years before it happened in the book of Isaiah. And he explained it. And so the, the, and the eunuch, wow, he thought, wow, I believe. And then so he, they, and he talked to them about, you know, what happens, you, you believe, and then you go and you get baptized as a sign, an outward, an outward expression of your inward faith. And uh, so Philip said to him, and then the, uh, that's right, and then eunuch said, well, what, there's water over there. What stops me from being baptized now? And Philip said, you may if you believe. This is my, my translation, my, um, what do you call it, loosely translated. And then um, the eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I think he said, with all my heart. And that is his salvation verse. And it's removed from most new versions taken out because God doesn't want uh, sorry the devil the God of this world he doesn't want you to know that and the Roman Catholic Church don't want you to know that either because they believe the first sacrament is infant baptism christening baptizing that's so it's a works uh, cult it is the largest cult Christian cult in the world and the most dangerous cult of all of them more, more so than the Roman Catholic Church or the Jehovah's Witness, which is obviously wrong. You know, there's no definite, indefinite article in, in uh, 1 John 5, 11 and 12. There's no indefinite article in Greek. It's like, a Jesus, a God, they add it. You know, so everybody knows that's corrupt. We're warned in the, in the King James Bible that there'd be many that would try to corrupt the Word of God. But anyway, so, it, so there it is. So it's taken out. So the Roman Catholics don't want you to know that um, you, you just have to believe by faith. You don't have to put your trust in the conduit, in Mary. You don't go to her first. She said that she needed a saviour. And she, her own son, she said, uh, he's my saviour. And I think it was Thomas, the doubting Thomas, who didn't believe. He said, I don't believe that he's risen from the dead. I saw him being crucified. And Jesus walked in and said, here I am. Feel my hands, feel my feet, feel my side. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God, he called him. How about that? My Lord and my God. So he knew who he was. He knew he was God. Only God can raise people from the dead. And God raised up Jesus, who is God in human form. Raised him. He is the image of Almighty God. He raised him up. 
and he laid down. Imagine that. So God himself became one of us and laid down his life for us. I find that absolutely incredible. And all that started because we were looking at understanding uh, New Zealand's alarming suicide rate. Well, let's see what these people say. This is the worldly view, I suppose. We'll have a look at it and see what they say. Well, it says here that the uh, data on confirmed suicide rates has not been released by the government since 2018. And that's because heaps of people were committing suicide during the, uh, the lockdowns, the fake pandemic lockdowns. However, the latest data relating to suspected suicide released by the Health New Zealand for the year ending June 30th 2023 paints an unpleasant picture. 565 people lost their lives to suspected suicide with a rate of nearly 11 people per 100,000. This is a modest increase from the previous year. Uh, The figures were 538. Uh, They died by suspected suicide with a rate of about 10 per 100,000. New Zealand holds the highest youth suicide rate in the OECD. However, our rate of suicide appears to have declined in recent years amid a number of changes to how deaths are classified. That's exactly right. She's, this woman, this uh, Ardern, she took away the, um, suicide. It's called accidental death. They don't call it suicide, so no one dies of suicide <laughs> while she was in power. Anyway, the deaths are classified, how, how they're going to be classified which many Kiwis believe is a cover-up attempt, either by accident or design. There are uh, disparities in suicide rates in different demographics. The Pacifica community saw positive results as their rate of suicide dropped nearly half from 9.2 to 5.1 per 100,000. The Asian demographic, that showed no change. Distressing results for Maori as suicide remained at 50% higher than the average for the Maori community, suicide rates rose around 50% higher than the national average. Some, like mental health advocate Sean Robinson, claim that the, uh, this indicates the effect of uh, racial discrimination and inequality that persists within New Zealand society, especially impacting Maori population. Disparity between men and women is twice that of Maori versus non-Maori, with men committing suicide twice as often as women. Does this suggest more changes and pressures are faced by men? It certainly uh, certainly questions the assertion that racism or discrimination is a major factor, doesn't it, in the higher Maori rates. Studies abroad indicate higher suicide rates in certain groups, namely those growing up without fathers who go to the ex- uh, expense, uh, go on to ex- experience poor economic outcomes This prompts questions about the societal structures and support systems for these people. Fatherless in Maori communities is significantly higher than non-Maori. Could this be, and could this be what it is, and not racism as the major driver? Some research into depression shows a correlation to lifestyle factors, including exercise and diet, have far-reaching implications on all areas of health, including suicide. If broken families are a driver, tackling the breakdown of the traditional family structure with communities taking a proactive role in supporting marriages could benefit suicide rates in the long run. And you can find more details on that uh, if you go to nznewsessentials.com. An almost identical betrayal happened around his 2017 promises to ban the use of 1080. 
He sounded so convincing that this toxic operation would be finished by his hand once he arrived in Parliament. He talked in specific terms about alternatives that would be used once he was elected. Examples of alternatives to 1080. And lengthy public addresses had people convinced that this time he was for real. 1080 is a very dangerous product. I want to make it very clear, we are going to put millions into finding an alternative. We'll stop it now. We're going to turn it into an industry. We're going to pay people a trap, turn it into a fair industry. We're going to do every we can stop it as soon as we can. But in the meantime... Even though Winston said he would have 1080 gone by lunchtime, to the heartbreak of so many who had trusted him. All they received in return for their trust was silence on the issue for Winston's entire term in office. All right, there we are. That's Samantha Edwards. No relation to me, but if you go over to counterspinmedia.com, make sure you click the donate link. Give them some some of your brass razus or your Pacific pesos, as we call them here in New Zealand, Pacific pesos or shekels, as they do over in uh, in uh, Israel. And they need all the shekels they can get at the moment. Uh, this is. Um, um, what did I just say? Uh, Counterspin Media. That's where you can find Samantha Edwards's latest. Uh, what would you call it? I think she's done about eight for them. And I guess it's really, it's a little, it's not it's a little, little, it's a blimmin' good documentary. And it's called Winston Rides Again. And uh, really, uh, Samantha wanted to put it out long, long before, but you've got people that, of course, have been slagging her for it. It's very well researched, and people have tried to refute it, but really they haven't been able to. They're just uh, Winston supporters, really. They'll go with someone, you know, through um, hail and sleet and snow just just because he's um, he's the party they think that, that is able to uh, get rid of the of the ugly Labour Party. But uh, anyway, that's uh, by the by. OK, we're going back to Radio New Zealand News and they've got a few changes over there. The headline reads, Power cuts as ex-cyclone Lola lashes the upper North Island. Well, it's just about over now from what I can gather. It's uh, not quite so windy. It was very bl- blustery overnight. Uh, now Auckland's getting a good lashing. More than 6,000 Northland homes are without power as high winds continue to cause damage to lines in the region. Met Service recorded gusts of 130 kilometres per hour in the upper North Island overnight as the impact of ex-tropical cyclone Lola continues to be felt. Part of the Bay of Islands and Kaikoui have more than 3,000 properties cut off from power and cut off. They're talking about power, so you would assume they're not talking about them cut off from, you know, like out in the WAPs somewhere and, can't, and they can't get out of their home. I'm sure it's power. And homes in the upper Auckland area are also without power. That would be North Shore. Coromandel and Northland recorded 100 millimetres of rain overnight, with Gisborne, Gisborne Ranges getting 22 millimetres in just in one hour. Strong winds and heavy rain warnings and watches remain in place for Northland. Although, uh, from what I can gather, uh, there might be some... The, the, the strong winds are over, but the rain is still sort of happening. But it's, it all happened overnight. This thing's moving quite quick, so Auckland are getting it now. Auckland Harbour Bridge was, on, was operating on four lanes in each direction on Monday morning's peak. <laughs> How would they know? Because oh, they sometimes they write this stuff the night before. <laughs> I've noticed they do that. Anyway, so now according to Wakako Tahi... Um, now, Wakako Tahi, that's New Zealand Transport... Auckland and Northland. They said due to predicted strong wind gusts, Auckland Harbour Bridge will be opening with four lanes in each direction. I thought that's all they had. They must have a few more, maybe six lanes. Uh, During this morning's peak travel period, expect speed restrictions and delays. 
And um, so you take extra special care. We know that. We're not stupid. They treat us like we're babies. I mean, we didn't need them to tell them. So how many lanes I've got? Oh, you one, two, three, four. But the funny thing is it only has four lanes. <laughs> I'm counting them here now. So it's going, to be, it's going to be operating with four lanes in each direction. What does that mean? Well, why would you even tell us this? Didn't it? So everything's the same. One, two, three, four lanes going north. I'm looking at a picture now. Four lanes going north. And you've got one two, three, four, four lanes going south. So I don't know why they'd even bother telling that story. The tail of ex-tropical cyclone Lola, which caused extensive damage as it smashed through parts of Vanuatu earlier, apparently. Um, I don't know. Something fishy going on with that story. Uh, Earlier this week, that has uh, merged with another trough as it bears down on the upper North Island. Now it's in Auckland. Met Service Meteorologist's M. Mathapello. Oh, you've got to be joking. Who would, what parent would give their child this name? Two M's, unless it's a typo. Mathapello, with two M's. Mathapello, Magabulane, Magabulani. <laughs> Mathapello Magabulani said um, exposed areas had wind gusts overnight of 130 to 140. No, oh, it's 140 now, so what's that? About 60 knots. And that's exactly right. That's what I get on windy right now auckland's got pretty much pretty close to 60 knots if i just move i'll just what i'll do is um for those of you that are on looking at this and listening to me jabber on on uh, rumble you're about to see what i mean now so we're down near auckland i'll just zoom in oh that's that's not auckland so there we are so auckland yes 50 knots it's eased a bit it was a bit more earlier on 50 knots 48 knots these are the gusts by the way those are the ones, the important ones. Yes, so Northland was really getting it, but now Northland's quite quite calm now down the centre there. So I've, oh, that one's got a bit though. Uh, Whangarei is getting a bit of a, a bit of a boost, but it's uh, it's past from what I can tell. The far north now, um, yeah, they've got sort of gusts of 36 knots. They were getting gusts of like 50, 60 knots, and now it's moved down to um, Auckland, yeah, 50 knots, and uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, but lots of rain though, still lots of rain falling up in the Northland area as far as I know. Now the windy weather will continue through Monday with the weather system moving eastwards Mangagatapulani said there are orange heavy rain warnings. How dare they? <laughs> you shouldn't even be allowed to get a job at Met Service if we have to read those sorts of names. There are um, uh, orange heavy rain warnings on watch for Coromandel Peninsula and uh, Gisborne. They wanted to give me give it a Maori name but I refuse to read it out because I know what they're up to. When it's got a little forward slash in front of it, you know that's, that's not true. It's just a Maori name there. You can call it that if you want to, but I don't want to. Uh, as a strong wind and warning is enforced for Coromandel Peninsula, uh, they say, I don't know who this is, but it would be Magabutalani, she says, or he says. I don't know. How would you tell who that was? It, just, it might be a transgender, might be trans, transposing, could be, or be a transvestite, who knows? Anyway, he or she said mid or, or whatever, or, you know, whatever the sex is. There's only two, I thought, but then you've got genders now, haven't they? They've got all these genders, and so it could be anybody. Uh, Midweek and into the second half of the week, we're expecting another system to come in from the west, so definitely a good week to keep an eye on the latest watches. Oh, rubbish. We could just look at Windy. We don't need to watch what you're doing. I get a good idea just looking at Windy or even just reading a weather map. I've changed Windy now for the people on Rumble. I've changed it so you can actually see the, um, the bars. So when you see those little um those lines there when they're all sort of squished up together you know it's going to be pretty windy 
and then that's the best way to do it. You don't really need all the graphics here, but if you just look at those, I forget what they're called, those bars, those weather bars. I used to know, used to did all that sort of thing, but now I can't remember. My, my brain is like a hard drive. Sometimes it just gets full and things start falling off when it gets full. I need more RAM. That's what I need. All right, it's coming up to 10 to 8, and uh, I think we'll call it quits, although it's a pretty rainy old day. If there's anything interesting uh, coming up on the news, I might stick around and let you know what's going on. Um, so, yeah, so that's the end of that story there. I'll just have a quick croak. Ah, oh, that's so much better. Now, so that's the power cuts, and uh, what other top stories have we got? Oh, dear. Yes, the Moss victims. The sister says, uh, pursuit of truth is a shared responsibility. A woman whose brother was murdered in the Christchurch terror attacks says the pursuit of truth is not uh, just the responsibility of the affected family. That she, I bet you they didn't say far now. Guarantee it, she would have said. But they, you know, as I said, RNZ and all the other fake stream media, they have to say all these Maori words. It's all part of the deal. Otherwise, they have to pay the money back. Not allowed to say anything about the va- 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 vaccine. And not allowed to, you know, make sure you use all the right Maori words. There was a big list that went out to all the all the um, the people that were on the payroll from the government, <laughs> the bought off media, and they had, these are all the rules they had. They had to say all the stuff, you know, just garbage, really. And all it does is divisive, because people don't want to be forced into learning a language or having the signs and place names on their country and the name of their country even changed. And it's happening all over the world with so-called indigenous people. They're doing it. Just It's all part of the war on the West to bring the West down so that the globalists can then easily just destroy it and wreck it. And uh, no one's united anymore. That's why they allowed immigration, so that we wouldn't be united as a, a nation. Nation, the word nation is nationality. Yeah, that's where it comes from. So we wouldn't be united to fight against the globalists. We're all, we're all sort of confused. Very clever. That's what the devil does. He's, um, he's just, uh, he's all about confusion. And uh, that's what uh, we've, you know, re- you know, people like, um, you know, we've got corporate, corporate people uh, as, uh, you know, prime ministers and stuff like that, CEOs, you know, John Key, who else we've we got now, we've got Luxon now, former CEO, but those people aren't qualified. They're qualified to run companies, but New Zealand is more than a company. There's people in this country, you need to look after the rights and freedoms of New Zealanders, not the collective, which is what Chris Luxon says. And uh, before... Before 8 o'clock, in fact, I'll have a quick hunt for it. I'll find it now, just be, be back in a jiffy, and I'll find you about what collective, uh, collectivism is all about from G. Edward Griffin. We should be listening to him. She said, so I feel like paying $5,000 for a husband who's vouched for meets my needs and is ready for a real relationship is totally worth it. Do you notice how she didn't say anything she would bring? She said he has to meet my needs. But what about you meeting his needs but this is the thing women will get to society has told us chase the career be successful whatever and she did that and she makes it to 35 years old never having once thought about what men want and this is why the red pill is so important because we go through our whole lives never having even heard what men want she also said can't be his second wife Lady, like, <laughs> lady, like, you're ruling out, you're 35 years old, and you're uh, going to rule out men because they've been married before? I told, uh, yeah, I told my um, I told my daughter at 18, you better start looking now, because when you get to 35 or 30, you'll be panicking, and you'll marry some half-wit. You'll marry some no-hope because you'll be, you'll be you know, the, the, the clock will be ticking, you'll think, gosh, I've got to, and that's what they do. They want the career. But you know the best career of all? is to be a mother. 
and a husband, a wife, and for a husband too, to be a husband for a man. That's the best career you can have, to be a, a husband, and a father, and ladies, to be a a wife, and a mother, at home with your husband. That is the best career you could ever have. It's the most important. It truly is. It is uh, six minutes to eight. And um, here's Edward G. G. Edward Griffin. And um, this is what Chris Luxon says. He talks about the collective. And I just want to find that where he's talking about the collective. Let me see if I can find it. Um, We've got it here. I'm sure we have. Um, Maybe not. While we're listening to G. Wood Griffin, which is about four minutes, so we'll just squeeze it in now. He talks about what collectivism actually is. It's very interesting. Listen carefully, and then we'll, then we'll tell you that Chris Luxon is one of those, and so is Winston Peters. It's not easy to define the word collectivism in a few sentences because there are so many aspects to it. But it is easy enough to recognize a few of the major aspects, and you'll recognize it. One of the major aspects of collectivism is that it's based on the principle that the individual must be sacrificed if necessary for the greater good of the greater number. You'll find that under all forms of collectivism, whether it be Nazism, communism, fascism, socialism, or neoconism, or whatever you want to do. All of these forms of collectivism have that fundamental uh, philosophy or ideology beneath it. Now, that sounds pretty good to many people. It sounded good to me when I was in school and learning about the greater good of the greater number. After all, uh, we've been taught that we live in a democracy and therefore the majority should rule and all of these things which sound very good if you don't probe too deeply. And so many people think that that's a good concept. But it's a terrible concept when you, when you follow it to its roots. Because, you see, there's no such thing as a group. A group doesn't really exist. It's, it's all in the mind. Uh, the, the word group is an abstraction. It, it symbolizes in our minds the concept of many individuals. But group does not exist by itself. You cannot touch a group. You can touch individuals only. It's similar to the concept of the word forest. You can look at a forest, you say, well, I'm looking at a forest, but you're not. You're looking at trees. They're only trees. And so the word forest is this abstraction for the concept of many trees. And the same thing is true in social structures. The word group is a very deceptive word. We think that the group somehow has rights. Well, since there is no such thing as a group, we're really dealing with the concept of of many individuals having somehow more rights than uh, than a smaller group of individuals. And so uh, that really, if you follow it all the way to its core, is a question of mathematics. Uh, the collective is, is based on the substance uh, that uh, three people um, really have the right to tell two people what to do regardless, because there's three against two. And once you boil it down to the issue of mathematics, it falls apart, because um, Human rights are not based on mathematics. Uh, I know we don't have time for a lot of this, but something that just occurred to me this morning when I was thinking about this concept. Uh, they say that the uh, the greater good of the greater number is is accomplished by giving the larger number the right to dictate to the smaller number. But when you think it through, it's just the opposite. Let's suppose that you had uh, uh, four different elements in society. You had a group called uh, red, a group called green, a group that's blue, and then a smaller group that are purple. 
the red, green, and blue represent different classes or groups of society, and the purple ones are the administrators, the government officials, the police, the courts, and all of the bureaucrats and the politicians that are going to regulate this great society. So you say, well, uh, group, uh, the first two groups, red and green, uh, decide to take all the property away from blue. And that's certainly for the greatest good of the greater number because red and green is a greater number than blue. So if that's your point, then finally the greater good of society has been served in that uh, equation. But now the next time around, uh, green and blue decide to take away the property of red. And you say, well, in that instance also, the greater good of the greater number has been served. And then finally, to round it out, you get, uh, uh, what did they do, red and green, green and blue. Well, blue and red then get together and take away the property of green. And here again, uh, the greater good of the greater number has been served. But when you stand back and look at the whole process, uh, all of the groups have been plundered by the others. And you might say, well, it all evens out, doesn't it? No, it doesn't, because there's a fourth group, the purple. And every time there's a plundering action going on, the purple wind up with a pretty good share of the action just for their administrative services. And so when you follow it all the way through at the end of this process, all of society has been damaged by this greater good for the greater number concept, you see. The only greater good for the greater number really comes from the concept of individualism. When you deny the majority to, to take away the rights or the property of the minority. If you hold up the individual as the supreme element in society instead of the group, under that philosophy, under that ideology, now you do actually have the greatest good for the greatest number. All right, now I want you to listen carefully to Christopher Luxon, your new Prime Minister. Do you support cutting benefits to solar parents who don't vaccinate their children? Yes, I do. Why? Um, because it's about a notion of rights and responsibilities. If you want to be part of New Zealand and civil society, you have certain inalienable rights, but you also have responsibilities to actually for the collective. And Did you hear that? The collective. Actually for the collective and, and helping the collective of New Zealand. He said it twice. Isn't that interesting that he would say that, the collective? Where did he learn that? He hasn't thought it through. He's not very bright. Not really. He knows how to make money, but not very bright. And helping the collective of New Zealand. Why just target solo parents and probably solo mums, really, she's which we're it. talking about? It. You notice that? She's missed it completely. Uh, she, she, the, the collective. And, and as he said, it's like a forest. It doesn't really exist. It's all made up of individual trees. And there's no such thing as a collective. We're all individuals. And that's what Socrates was killed for. Killed for protecting the rights of minorities and individual rights. Okay, we've got news right now from TNT Radio. That's my lot. See you tomorrow morning, Lord willing, at five o'clock. Be a part of the conversation and follow TNT Radio on Gab, Getter, and Twitter. Now, TNT Radio News. Recapping some of the news that shaped the past week, I'm Matt Boyland. The Russian Ministry of Foreign Affairs accused four European nations of illegally stranding fertilisers at their ports, leaving underdeveloped countries without humanitarian food supplies. Some 96,000 tonnes of fertilisers are sitting at ports in Latvia, Belgium and Estonia. And we've lost him. He's completely gone, isn't he? 
Okay. Our fertilizers will go. make all necessary Come efforts back. to send them to the poorest countries in a timely, humanitarian manner. Only two deliveries were completed. The dispatch of three other shipments to Nigeria, Zimbabwe, and Sri Lanka is stalled despite the completion of all preparatory procedures. This situation is another clear illustration of the hypocrisy of Western countries, which in words declare the non-proliferation of illegal, unilateral sanctions on Russian fertilizers and food, but in fact block even purely humanitarian, gratuitous supplies. Former Pakistani Prime Minister Imran Khan and his cabinet's former foreign minister were accused this week of violating the Nation's Secrecy Act. The allegations arising from their alleged plot to prove the United States interfered in Pakistan's elections and were complicit in the XPM's ouster last year. The charges allege the politician disclosed an encryption key for his own personal benefit, undermining the security of Pakistan. Donald Trump once again repeated his claims that he would prevent World War III. Speaking at a rally in New Hampshire on Monday, Trump took aim at President Joe Biden's weakness, which he said was leading the world into war. To every American who's terrified that Crooked Joe's weakness will cause catastrophic global conflict, <laughs> excuse me, it already is. <laughs> I make this promise to you as president, I will restore peace through strength and we will prevent, we will stop World War III. We will not have World War III. And I know all the players, I know them all, I know them all. Also making news this week, it was revealed the CIA had spent tens of millions of dollars on transforming Ukraine's Soviet-style spy services into potent allies against Moscow. That's according to a new report by the Washington Post, which said the US spy agency had been heavily involved in modernising Kyiv's intelligence services and using them against Russia. In brief, an off-duty pilot in the US was charged this week with 83 counts of attempted murder after he allegedly tried crashing a passenger jet on a flight from Washington to California. And Instagram's parent company, Meta, was forced to apologise this week for an apparent bug in its system that inserted the term Palestinian terrorists into the bios of some pro-Palestine users. Here with more is TNT's Patrick Henningsen. Ever since hostilities escalated after October 7th with Israel and Palestine, we've seen massive censorship right across big tech. Many platforms are engaged in shadow banning censorship. This has been reported on multiple media outlets and some major influencers as well finding their feeds throttled. But this is an interesting revelation here. Meta, uh, which owns Instagram, Facebook as well, Instagram is now having to apologize for defaming all Palestinians, the entire population of Palestinians, calling them terrorists. But we shouldn't be surprised because this kind of falls in line with the U.S. government's language on this or with the Israeli government's language on this, which is that all residents of Gaza are somehow harboring terrorists or they're all Hamas and anybody who dies is collateral damage. This is the language of war and it looks like big tech is playing their role in fomenting the violence. For TNT Radio, this is Patrick Henningsen. This is a TNT Radio Encore. If you've been told to pull up your socks, then make sure it's a pair of TNT socks. The TNT shop is now open at tntradio.live. 
All right, let's look at the weather. Let's go right across and look at the extremes. First of all, the highest temperature is 17.2 degrees up in Northland, in the far north there, Kaitaia. Twizel is warmed up a little bit, got down to 1 degree. Now it's 3.1 degrees. The windiest place is the north shore of Auckland. They say it's just 61 kilometres per hour. It could be. I think it'll be a bit more than that, actually, 61. Uh, they've certainly got gusts. It's gusting up to nearly 60 knots uh, further out into you know this side of the... Um, of the um, Great Barrier. So, yes, I would say that they'll be having a bit more than 61 knots. Kerry Kerry is the wettest now. It's not quite as wet as it was, but 3.2 millimetres per hour. Uh, the temperature's pretty much getting warmer now all over with this uh, tropical cyclone that's coming down across the country. Uh, let's look at the short forecast, shall we? It's six minutes past seven. Yes, eight. Oh, goodness gracious, it's eight. Better, better stop and do some other work. Got the GST today's due, folks. Don't rem- don't forget, don't remember, uh, don't forget to get it in. It's the 30th, so you've got to do your GST. I've got all mine ready to go. I've just got to enter it in. So make sure you don't, you do not forget. And uh, if it's the last thing I do today, I said to myself, if it's the last thing I do is not to forget my GST return. And sure enough, the last thing I did was to forget it. Okay, Northland. Uh, that's Roman Atkinson, isn't it? Northland, Auckland, Coromandel Peninsula. Periods of rain. Some heavy falls possible with thunderstorms. Severe gale force easterlies in exposed places this morning. For It'll be more in Auckland, I would say, than Northland at the moment. Waikato, Waitomo, Bay of Plenty in the central high country. Periods of rain possibly heavy for Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. Rain heavy at times. Taranaki and Taumaranui to Wellington, also for the Wairarapa. Marlborough and Nelson. Cloud increasing with rain spreading south reaching Wellington, uh, Marlborough and Nelson by late afternoon or early evening. For Canterbury, Otago and also Buller and Westland, mainly fine, becoming cloudy along the Canterbury and uh, Otago coast this evening. For Southland, uh, yes, Southland and Fiordland, fine, apart from morning clouds. And the Chatham Islands just got fine spells. Someone's casting fine spells over you. It's two minutes. No, it's not. It's seven. Seven minutes past eight. That's my lot. I will see you, Lord willing, this time tomorrow at, well, not this time, but five o'clock tomorrow. That's when I'm up up and about. And uh, so we'll see you then. In the meantime, I'll leave you some wonderful country music. If you like the country music, and a lot of people are liking it, we've, um, our, our listenership is way up uh, over at Xeno and some of the other apps as well. We're in lots of apps, and we're adding more apps all the time. Uh, get over to Xeno.fm if you're on a, um, a desktop, or just download the Xeno FM or the streamer. There's all sorts of them. Just do a search for us. You'll find us just under Liberty NZ. That's the, the easiest way. And you will find us. Okay, we'll see you tomorrow morning. Um, all the very best to you. Thank you very much. Today's best country on the wireless. No way, nobody gonna steal my love. My love. Can't take my eyes off you. Even if I wanted to. I swear I'm